Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add-ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Unitanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Today's Sunday session is brought to you thanks to the fine folks at More Beer. Visit them right now at morebeer.com. Great beer is about drinkability. Doesn't matter the style. You guys are like walking beer Wikipedia. That's the first time that you've ever accepted me as a person. Or you have a fermentation in your gut. I'm jet propelled at all times. (laughs) How many guys do you think that you have the privilege to slap? Somebody who's never tasted a commercial example. And this is how you know everything about this beer? Please, you don't. I think that's bullshit. (laughs) I think it's bullshit, too. Wow. Are you guys going to arm wrestle? No. No. We're going to teabag fight. (laughs) You heard of Junkyard Wars? Can I get another high five? Now, live from the Brewing Network Studios in Northern California, this is the radio program for home brewers, craft brewers, beer lovers, and beer geeks. It's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with, well, expert drinkers. This is the radio program with a head on it. This is The Session. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to The Session. I'm your host, Justin Crosley, here for the month of December. Whoa! Yeah. Whoa! December two. What, you know what happened? Oh no, I got it wrong. <laughs> I was like, yes, yeah. I don't have to do a lot, but no, I, no. no, I don't think I'll be here at all in December. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> the other way around. But I am covering one of your shows for you in December, so I got you back there. Um, we got a great show for you today. The session, of course, is brought to you by the great folks at More Beer. They've been uh, sponsoring this show since day zero. And uh, for years, the folks at More Beer have been leading the charge when it comes to cool and unique homebrewing equipment like the Robo Brew, the easiest way to brew all grain. Made from stainless steel, the Robo Brew allows you to make nine gallons of beer all in one vessel. From boil to mash to cooling, the Robo Brew truly is self contained. So if you're thinking about getting into all grain brewing, you should seriously consider the Robo Brew. Or up your fermentation game with the all new Fermentosaurus plastic conical. It has a nine gallon capacity, a stainless steel stand, a sturdy butterfly dump valve at the bottom, and the best part, It'll hold up to 35 PSI. Check it all out and more over at morebeer.com. God, I love those guys. They're yeah, handsome. You know, one of the yeah. and mores is the uh, Vintner's Harvest uh, Fruits. Is that right? Yeah, from, uh, from our guest today? Yes. Well, we've got Oregon Specialty Fruit on the program. Chris Hodge is going to be talking to us today. And uh, as Tasty has just let us know, you can buy the product right there at Morebeer. Yeah. Go to morebeer.com. Check it out. Got a lot to do today. 
We'll do a little beer news later. Gary Glass from the American Homebrewers Association is going to join us later on the program, too. Oh, nice. oh boy. Yeah, he, they put out a new uh, homebrew and homebrewer survey. Uh, they've been doing that the last few years, a really comprehensive survey. So he's going to come give us some insight into what's happening in the homebrew oh, world. I can't wait to hear that. Wow, yeah, like what? Like numbers and shit yeah, like that? Or like going going up or num- down? numbery yeah. stuff? Right, well, wake me up when that happens. No, uh, I do like hearing that because for years... The homebrewing industry needed that. I remember being in, in the shack at Morbier going, I wonder how many people actually do this thing. Right. And uh, nobody had those numbers yeah. until the BA start, until the BA came along or, uh, you know, and, and um, started, well, started doing that. And they have a, they have it professionally done, too. They're not, yeah. like, putting out a Google survey. Like, <laughs> it's not like Gary like and, like, Bradley going, going you know, yeah. hey, just guess. I don't yeah. know. Well, they're manning a phone bank. And they're calling every phone number in the U.S. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm a little nervous about it, actually. Oh. Well, the last time I read it, when I was on the governing committee, they would yeah. share it with us there. Um, the Brewing Network showed up all over the thing. That's right. With questions like, where do you learn about home brewing? Where do you go for resources? Who's your favorite? We were, like, number three on, like, every list. Like, only below the Home Brewers Association there, itself. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, I don't remember what the other one is. You know, some of the magazines showed up really, like our, our wonderful sponsor, BYO, some mm-hmm. of them, you know, yeah. showed up there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a little nervous. It's been a while since I've read it. What if we've dropped mm-hmm. down in the rankings? What if our... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They don't do it every well, year, though, right? Our ratings aren't too good Everything anymore. sags with age, I hear. Yeah. <laughs> right, Even your ratings. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, today you can tell, though. We're not used to looking up on the list. We're looking, used to looking down. Like, yeah, hey, how you guys? Yeah. Oh, yeah, nice little podcast. Here. I know. We could be looking up. We could. We'll see. Maybe I'll. I should. I should contact him ahead of time at the break and say, "Hey, if there's any change yeah, yeah, in yeah. the yeah. wrong Sandbag direction, sandbag this thing for us, Just dude." Yeah. 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 Well, Drew and Denny beat us, and I'm gonna. I'm gonna drive oh, to no. Reseda or yeah. whatever, and yeah, and and let Drew's dogs loose on the street or something like that. It'll make him cry. Yeah, with exponential brewing or whatever it's called. <laughs> yeah. What's in a number anyway? Podcast. I think it's Expectro Patronum <laughs> Brewing. I think that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Expectorant brewing. <laughs> yeah, I forget just, what their podcast. It makes you cough up all your phlegm while you listen to it. <laughs> I think it's called elderly brewing, isn't it? <laughs> Expose uh, brewing or something. I love God. you, Drew and Denny. Don't forget your old ass guy podcast. <sighs> Unless you're higher than us on that list. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And then we need everything. And I will hate you. Even George, George W. Bush is trying to be younger than those two guys. He is. He's 81. That's true. He's trying to grope his way back to youth, <laughs> yeah, that guy. If he's still alive. Oh, hey, maybe the fountain of youth is in cakes. On the, yeah. they, you know, I never know. Grab some cakes and you can get younger. The guy's a mess over there. The world is a mess. <laughs> it's a mess. Everything's falling. It's making me feel better about myself, how bad the world is. Really? Yeah, I mean, you oh, tell... You're I, feeling good could lately? Could you tell? I, well, it's not, let's not say good. Oh. Right. <laughs> it's uh, better. Okay. Yeah. I read the news and I'm like... <laughs> I haven't done that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, That's true. Yeah. I should come out and say that you like inappropriately groped me at a party. Oh, man. People would believe it. They just wouldn't say care. That. Yeah, does, does oh, verbal count? Somebody has said that. People have said that about at least two people in this room. I have never yeah. inappropriately groped you. <laughs> right. So there's a difference. Yeah. He's explaining to you that it's not inappropriate. Apparently there's a time and a place for everything. That's right. Yeah. No, Isn't you that just a song? you just don't know what inappropriate actually means. Let's right. mansplain oh. inappropriate to you. <laughs> Everything that's happened is totally appropriate. Everything yeah. in your life at the Brewing Network, one hundred percent appropriate. Yeah. Oh, okay, good. 
<laughs> that reminds me. I was looking through our reviews. It's in the age I've been working in iTunes a lot because... Because uh, you hate your life. Because I hate my life. <laughs> yeah. And I hired a guy yet again to try to fix this thing that's been going on for years. And yeah. uh, he did the very thing I told him not to do. He fucked everything and uh, crashed the server. Anyhow, so I've been yeah. in iTunes quite See what a bit. happens when you pay people? I know. I, I always go back to this. I do not know what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm doing when it comes to, to web, technology, like all of this stuff. I never have. Yeah. So I've always taken the approach, like, well, let's find somebody to do it. I end up doing it myself every goddamn time. <laughs> I just go back to Google and figure it out, man. Well, anyhow, I'm trying to figure out some of the stuff on iTunes, so I uh, made the mistake of going back through some of our reviews uh, oh. on this podcast. Oh, on, God. On uh, iTunes today. Oh. Yeah, They can do that? Apparently, apparently. Yeah. And the first segment of the show has probably proved this. Uh, five minutes of beer talk. <laughs> oh, I remember those days. Three yeah. hours and 55 minutes of dick jokes. Now, we have a great rating. We're actually... Good times. We're almost, we have like a four and a half <laughs> star... Or, or almost five star rating. Yeah. But it is either love or hate. We are either... Oh. There's a million five star reviews. And, and then there's, you know, several one stars. And they all pretty much say the same thing. Which is disheartening because like people complain about Yelp. Reviews and they're unfair to business owners and stuff, and right. and they can be. But I've learned how to read those reviews, and you you look for trends. And right. if I and mm-hmm. if you you know if you find a trend, you can assume it's it's accurate. Yeah. So I can't help but think that all we do is five minutes of uh, beer information and then a bunch of dick jokes because yeah. that's the only bad review we get. Right. Well, and and I think that happened a lot more often when we did five hours of radio. Right. And now that it's three hours of radio. Right. It's five minutes of beer news, or five minutes of beer information, and an hour of dick jokes. In so we're fairness, cutting that though, down. I can't what, remember the, the last time we so, uh, told a dick joke, really. I feel like we've moved well, on. Well, I think they're to, using it as a general category. Of, I guess you're right. So, I feel you, like we've moved on to just yeah. you know normal sexism. We do 20 minutes of <laughs> like right. general. Yeah. So are you saying that review has flaccid? Yeah. <laughs> That's what right. I would say. Okay. You'll know it when you see it. <laughs> I mean, the only thing that was heartening was the sheer amount of five-star reviews. Because with the yeah. amount of well, ones that I read, I was like, wow, how is it that we have four and a half stars? Here, let me ask you honestly. Have yeah. you gone in and rated the Brewing Network five stars personally? Never. No, neither have I. No. No, I don't believe in that sort of... See? Well, the we, five stars we are the guys be, like the dick jokes. Yeah, well, right. that's true. Right. We may be juvenile, but we have right. ethics. Right. Okay, we wouldn't, like, I wouldn't <laughs> post about myself. That's true. Then why'd you have me make a hundred email addresses? Shut Warren, shut up, Beardy. <laughs> so much for the NDA. Tired of you. That's right. Mm. Called John. Well, as I mentioned, <laughs> as I mentioned tonight, we've got Oregon Specialty Fruit on the program. Chris Hodge is going to talk to us. We're going to learn all about uh, uh, fruit purees and, and fruit and fermentation and different options for you there. So uh, we're going to give you more than five minutes of beer information. <laughs> How about that? Um, let me get through a few announcements, as always. Um, and tonight, our announcements are brought to you by Drake's Brewing Company. You can go to drinkdrakes.com and check them out over there. They got a new beer out, the uh, Dark Wing. Is it, is it a double I? No, it's just an IPA. Dark 7. Wing. 7.75. It's up there pretty high. It is, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah 7.5%, 63 IBUs. Uh, Dark Wing IPA brings you bright hop notes of crushed pine needles, dank herbaceousness, and a touch of grapefruit marmalade sweetness. So... Check it out. You can go to drinkdrakes.com. they got a lot of events going on throughout the year, and uh, we work with them quite a bit. So good people over there. All right. Uh, let's see. What do I have in the announcements today? Oh, I'm going back to Colorado. 
uh, this week, and we're doing a live show uh, this Friday, November 17th. Um, we're going to have Peter Bucart on the program. Oh, whoa. Wow. Yeah. He's got a new uh, brewery, Purpose Who? Brewing. Okay. Um, I, I, Who's I, Peter Bucart again? Uh, formerly of New Belgium. The oh, artist yes. formerly. I think he was with New Belgium for 20 years. Yeah, a long wow. time. Um, <clears throat> and he recently, I guess he left, right? Did, mm-hmm. he, did he leave he may to have start some, the brewery? Some, something yes. going on there, but I think he's, yeah, he's got a new thing. Okay. He's got his own gig. The, the current brewery was in the works, so it was a just transition. Got it. Well, I'll get to the bottom of everything, so come out and hang out with me at the Hop Grenade in Fort Collins, Colorado. Um, we'll be there doing a show, and they're opening, there's an ice rink there, right in front of our, uh, oh. right in front of our thing. Well, it's on a park like we are here. It's a smaller park. Yeah. And they do grass in the summer, and then they dig it all up. <laughs> they dig it up. Yeah, that's, wow. a, whole, but that's a whole thing. Do they People, I'll come back to that in a second. They, they, they dig it all up, and then they put in a, a cool ice rink for the winter. Right. Great idea, right? Sure. The problem is, when they go, they then go back to grass in the summer, mm-hmm. um, and they, the owners of the building apparently have never heard of uh, of AstroTurf, huh. which which would you know take the transition about what a week yeah. maybe maximum yeah or sod or whatever no no yeah. no those color no they do sod oh okay oh. it's a month long transition where they put up this big green fence all so you around can't the use park. the park a month afterwards not only mm. that it just looks awful right out in front of yeah, it's like the, it's I mean, everything's we've tried, we closed to construction or something they're like this is Colorado we do real grass I wonder how they do it then in Walnut Creek at the at the park there too. That's real ice, they, they like the one on in Mar- top. Right? Yeah, they can build why it on do, top. Why not just build a, a, a three foot a or three question. inch you know yeah, platform well, and then ice that? Great uh, question. They're Thank in you. Colorado. Oh, and he's like, and I, I talked jobs. to them. I talked to them about it, um, and he was bragging. He's like, you know. We're the only location of its kind, you know, that does this. Yeah. Inefficient. <laughs> and I was like, don't be fucking proud of that. This is what I, I'm here to tell you that you're right. doing it wrong. Oh, there, uh, you know, people are calling us asking about it. I'm like, well, are you answering them honestly? <laughs> well, also, you're asking about it. Doesn't mean because you're asking about it doesn't mean that it's a good thing. Yeah, yeah they're on the list of the, the best and the worst. There's uh, one on each list. God. The one's doing that. Well, they're opening the ice rink this Friday, too, uh, doing a tree lighting, and then uh, we'll That's be cool. inside the Hop Grenade broadcasting a live show with Peter Bricart and then a uh, one of the owners of Tap and Handle, another beer bar in Fort Collins, and uh, the owner of what I think is the best bottle shop in Fort Collins. So it's a Fort Collins beer show this Friday the 17th. Come hang out. We've also got our huge Brewing Network storewide sale of all our merchandise. We've been given 20 to 50% off almost everything, and it's almost all gone. So thanks for doing that, guys. I told you I wanted to clear it all out. We're going to get you some new merch in the new year, but you got to buy this stuff first. So uh, head over to thebrewingnetwork.com slash store, or just hit the store button on the homepage there, and get what's left. There's not much. Uh, a lot of holiday gifts in there. And uh, 20 to 50% off, so some really good deals. And we have Sour Hour shirts on sale now. When are we going to have Dr. Homebrew shirts on sale? What's going on? You never asked. Do they, we even have a asked. session shirt? I asked. We don't even have a session shirt, no. Yeah. Wow. What's they going on? These oh. things don't sell well, to be honest with you. No. I mean... Well, but if, hey, if, if, if things aren't selling well, I want to be a part of not selling well. <laughs> Yeah, I want to be the extra weight that drags us down. That's better than not selling at all. Thank you, Warren. I just sour hour shirts are going to sell better than Doctor Homebrew shirts. Let's, Think so? Let's be honest. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. 
Not Numbers either. are tied. We're there. <laughs> yeah. Got the same. True. Both people might buy one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Both <laughs> listeners. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, go check it all out in the store. You can keep doing your Amazon shopping through us. We appreciate that, especially around the holiday season. I know you're all going to do Amazon, uh, so click the Amazon link on our homepage. Uh, believe me, it's a big deal to us, uh, and a lot of you do it, so we appreciate it. You can do it in both the U.S. and the U.K. There's a link for each of you on the website. And then just go shop as you normally do. Uh, we won't spy. Much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, subscribe and join the BN Army for as little as $2 a month. You get our newsletter, plus you're entered into the More Beer monthly donation giveaway, which is a chance to win 100 bucks to spend over at More Beer, which is like a batch of beer or, I don't know, I haven't shopped for homebrew shit in a while. <laughs> right. What can, you give her, what can you give her 100 bucks? Ingredients. Yeah. Yeah. I get the ingredients for at least two beers, two 10 gallon Two beers. Two 10 gallon bags. You can get a lot of stuff, yeah. especially with all the, the new innovations that, that more beers coming out, all the new product line yeah. that's become the kind of like yeah. recharging. and re- I think they're recharging homebrewing. Okay. With all the kind of stuff like we were talking about, the Fermasaurus and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. um, you can do a lot of damage with 100 bucks. All right. Well, sign up to join the BN Army. Just click the donate button and uh, we'll enter you into all that. Plus, you get our, our wonderful newsletter written by Kim Shimke. See someone in the chat already. I would get a Dr. Homebrew shirt. No one's ever said that about a Sour Hour shirt. <laughs> in, so, the, in the chat tonight. Right. Yeah, so one. <laughs> one, yeah. Get it to about 150. And How's we'll Taryn talk. feeling, by the way? Pregnancy's going well? What's that? How's Taryn doing, by the way? Because <laughs> she's the one who asked oh. Get it? She yeah. asked for this no, shirt. Uh, no, Your I wife? didn't. Uh, no. Remember her? Uh, no. <laughs> I spent all weekend with her. I'm trying to forget. <laughs> trying to forget it all. I'm on my third beer right now. I never do that. <laughs> Uh, All right, get updates and other things over on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and send feedback to feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com. You can send your show ideas there, too. Um, All right, do we have a Twitter game? No. What? Yes, we do. I'm just kidding. Okay. Fooled you. I was shocked. Fooled me, too. Twitter Games brought to you today by the Wine and Hop Shop, locally owned and operated for over 40 years. Great friendly service with over 50 combined years of brewing experience. Uh, half the staff has brewed professionally. And best part, Brewing Network listeners get $8 flat rate shipping on orders under 50 pounds. Just enter BN Shipping in the notes field of the shopping cart, and then uh, the discount will be taken after checkout. Uh, most items ship within 24 hours, and it's the only place to get Wisconsin Hop Exchange and Gorst Valley Hops grown right there in Wisconsin. Um, yeah. By the way, Wisconsin was once the top hop-producing state in the Union. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Learn something every day. All right. AHA members get 10% discount, too. So check it out over at the Wine and Hop Shop. What's our Twitter game? Well, I don't know how many people know this, but uh, Disney, the Walt Disney Company... Um, they have a lot of things and movies on Netflix recently. Okay. Uh, past year or whatever. I see. Um, but recently they pulled all that content from Netflix and they have announced that they're going to start their own Netflix-like streaming service, which will be, quote, significantly lower in price than Netflix and itself. <laughs> and popularity. <laughs> and options. Apparently, they're, apparently they're going to be streaming um, at, for first uh, all of the recent releases. And they're going to be doing four or five movies a year, custom just for the service. Uh, part of this is a two-prong approach. One is ESPN. That's the first thing they're going to be launching. So it's ESPN streaming service. Wow. Um, then they're going to do movies in like 19. Are you getting paid for this through your other podcast? Mm. No. Okay. I am not getting paid through earsup.com. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Uh, so it got me thinking, if the BN launched a movie streaming service, what would we show you? 
Ooh. What sorts of movies would we be streaming? <laughs> this right. is a terrible question. Give me, t- give, me, give me titles. Give me genre. Whatever you. Whatever. I'm just very. Every curious. answer is going to be Hot Shots. <laughs> uh, love that movie. Part you. <laughs> Uh, all right, that's your Twitter game. <laughs> sure is. Yeah. That was a game. <laughs> yeah. It will be. Yeah. Send it in. We'll pick a winner at the end. Um, all right, how about some feedback? Yay. That's all right. Good. Feedback's brought to you, of course, by our good friend John over at the Beer Law Center. You go to beerlawcenter.com. He can protect your trademark like he does mine. Sent him a bunch of work this week. No, really? Oh, man. They just keep rolling in right now. a boy. Everybody wants that hop grenade. Um, but he takes good care of it for us. He can do that for you. Plus uh, brewery filings. He's your dude. Go to BeerLawCenter.com. So I was talking about... I've been talking about Colorado a lot uh, recently. I was talking about the 14ers last week. Was it last week? Yeah. Yeah. The big mountains uh-huh. that you climb. There's uh, several 14ers. And, uh, of course... And I said, by the way, like, you know... Don't take my word for it. I'm probably screwing up this information. You had a, a disclaimer. Yeah. Right. Uh, I got corrections. Oh, no, we got corrections. Oh. This one was about Bevo, though. I don't remember her. I don't I don't remember Bevo saying anything, although I don't really listen to her. <laughs> uh, 14ers. But uh, he says, hello, hiking enthusiasts. I wanted to clear up the conversation you were having about hiking 14,000-foot mountains. Uh, yes, us Coloradans do love to climb our 14ers. He says he's only bagged two. But it's not as bad as Bevo was imagining. Whoa! Apparently Bevo was thinking that uh, Half Dome was half the trip that a 14er would be. Um, But it's a similar climb. So he wanted to remind us that uh, we're not starting at the same altitude as we are. So in order for a 14er to count, you have to climb at least 3,000 feet in elevation. So a trailhead there may actually start... At 11,000 feet. Yeah, that's not that bad. Oh, so they have a handicap. There's a handicap. Whereas Half Dome, yeah, I don't know what elevation is, but it's not that high. Uh, Actually, it's it's kind of high. It might be 2,000. Yeah, it's a couple thousand. Um, Anyhow, he says Half Dome is a 14-mile round trip with a total elevation gain of 4,800 feet. But for a 14er to count, you must climb at least 3,000 with the trailhead maybe starting at uh, 11,000 feet. So the hike would be, uh, what is he saying? The hike would be about the same as a summit for 14ers, maybe just a little longer at Half Dome. So just want to clarify that they're not completely insane. They're not going from zero to 14,000 feet. (laughs) Okay. Is the gist. They need sure business stuff. (laughs) He does say the only thing that would make a 14er difficult, uh, nice try, Warren. more difficult is exerting yourself at that high of an altitude. Yeah. Just, people do get altitude sickness quite a lot. And then he says, thanks for talking about Colorado so I much. I just found out that people over 55 lose their altitude sickness. What do you mean lose it? You don't get, you don't get it anymore. Why? I don't know. Didn't go that far. I just heard it. I just thought it was cool. Cause <laughs> I, can, he, I can order off the menu at Denny's now, and now I don't get altitude sick. He heard it, but he can't remember the second half of the story. <laughs> yeah. I also, it sounds <laughs> odd to He's me. never going to apply it. Odd, but <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was presented to me this week. Did you verify its uh, authenticity? No, I did not. It was presented to me at a, like a senior like group meeting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, at the IHOP. Yeah. 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 I saw it on my ARP mailer. Yeah, oh, yeah, the, yeah in the the Golden Years semi-annual meetup. <laughs> it, the, when are you, you going to take us out of the movies? Edna did a presentation on altitude oh. sickness. 
Well, I can't get into the into the national parks yet for free. You can't. What's that age? I, I think it's sixty five. That's fucked up. I know because I'm not going to want to go then. You're not going to make it to that. <laughs> Why do you think they pull that age? You know, if I'm going to if I'm going to mount all those teeners. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> I'm turning you in. Ooh, you're not in Alabama now. That's right. All right, let's see. Uh, here's an email about craft buying craft, which, of course, we've been talking about quite a bit. Uh, dear Wacko, Yakko, and Dot. Wow. Animaniacs reference. Which, yeah, which one of us do you think is Wacko and which is Yakko? I must be Yakko. Yeah. I think you're Dot. <laughs> I thought he was Dot. Doc was Doc. Dot. Uh, I don't know. I think Doc, I think Doc would be Yakko. Oh, police. Because it's weird. <laughs> All right. I don't know. Well, Jeff writes in. Forever. He says, uh, last week, Clown Shoes Brewing was bought by Sam Adams' little brother, Harpoon Brewing. Ooh. While mm-hmm. Budweiser have stated they're done buying craft well, for now. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, for this week, I don't. I didn't read that. This is all from the listener. I don't know. Uh, so he wants to know our opinion for whatever reason. Do you think it's uh, <laughs> that's just open the door for more mid-level consolidation? I guess with Anheuser Busch backing out. And at what point do these craft breweries stop being independent? Well, the second question we've talked, I think, ad nauseum. Um, you know, there's the answer. I think is rather personal to you the brewers association has a definition you can go by that you go by your own definition like uh, there's so many variables maybe people regain uh, uh, retain control over their brewery but just take on investment like like brooklyn was talking to us about last week Mm -hmm. um or any other number of things that might make you decide something is independent or not so i I can't Mm -hmm. really answer that for you um but does budweiser backing out open the door for more mid-level consolidation I don't think so. No, it was going to. It was obviously happening while they were actively buying, so it shouldn't affect anything. I do think mid-level consolidation is going to continue to grow. Yes, because it's a smart move. Yeah. Um, so, I, but I don't know that Anheuser Busch backing out has anything to do with it. No. If anything, maybe Anheuser Busch not buying up more breweries, if that's true, by the way, will like start to manage the cost of these breweries being bought up. The, the payouts. I mm-hmm. guess is what I'm getting mm-hmm. at, because, you know, you need these large companies to pay a billion dollars for Lagunitas. <laughs> in the mid-level, no one's going to do that. So no. I wonder if it'll kind of wrangle things in a little Lower bit. Lower expectations. And get some reality yeah. going about, um, although if I owned a small brewery right now, I wouldn't want that kind of fucking reality. I would want the billion-dollar payout. Yeah, I would be reading the story crying right now. <laughs> That's right. I mean, this is what I was holding out for. Yeah, reading the story. Me talking about Me making some <laughs> asinine prediction. But uh, it's going to keep happening, and yeah. all we get to do is watch and see, frankly. The only people, I think, that have control over whether this is going to matter or how far it goes mm-hmm. are the small brewers themselves. Yeah. And that's why you hear people like Garrett over at Maui Brewing Company, he gets really upset when small brewers sell. And I'm sure in some ways, he's, like I am, he's happy for his friends to have a big payday. But he knows it hurts his industry. He feels it hurts his industry. Mm-hmm. So to me, the only thing that's going to like show this playing out for us or, or what it's actually going to mean and the beer that we get in our glass, it's all down to those small professional breweries. Right? Yeah. I mean, we could do the whole thing where we're going to buy with our dollars or whatever, but come on. Vote with your wallet. It never happens. It happens for about a month, and then people go, well, I really enjoyed the way Lagunitas IPA is, so I'm just going to drink it. And then six months later, you're telling people that you drink only craft beer, <laughs> which isn't true. So, In fact, I got another – where's that email? Oh, that's the next email. So this is kind of interesting about the same topic. 
thank you for writing in, by the way, Jeff. Um, John writes in, uh, greetings to uh, Justin and the crew of the session. Um, and then he says we're awesome. Uh, and then he goes... <laughs> no, no, don't gloss over that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. He says, I was inspired to write after listening to you discuss the Brewers Association and their publicity stunt to try and raise $213 billion to buy AB InBev. I found it intriguing uh, to hear you all give your thoughts on who owns beer. I work in a high-quality mom-and-pop liquor store in New Jersey. It's the wine and whiskey, wine and whiskey country in Hackettstown. Uh, he says, we feature the best craft beer selection in the area. Never heard of it. Uh, however, <laughs> New Jersey. as soon as we learn of a buyout or takeover, we change the labels on the shelf. So, for example, Lagunitas now reads Heineken oh. on our price list. <laughs> nice. I love that so much. <laughs> in addition to the brewery, so it's price says Heineken, Lagunitas. Goose yeah. Island now says Anheuser-Busch. And he says, we want people to know where their money really goes. Um and he says, "I have half a mind to change the founders' tags as well. Who owns? Who bought founders? They got they got founders bought? like twenty five percent. I think so they did the Budweiser. Yeah, okay. I mean, let me right. look at that. He says, I personally take a hard I think line. It's a Spanish company. Oh, Constellation, maybe? No, from Spain, like European Spanish. Oh, gotcha. Uh, he says, I personally take a hard line when it comes to the issue. I no longer drink Goose Island, Ballast Point, though Cutwater is awesome, and I have no problems with that. Is that a Ballast Point beer?" No, no, that's from that's Ballast the Point distillery. Money. Uh, that's that's independently owned. That doesn't have to do with Oh, that's the that's liquor. The distillery. Yeah, okay. Yeah. okay, got it. Uh, yeah, Mahu San Miguel. Well, Warren was actually right for a change, and a Spanish brewery owns Founders. Yeah, got a, it. A change. 30% ownership. But he says he doesn't buy from Founders, Breckenridge, Terrapin, or Devil's Backbone, and there's plenty of other great companies out there. While those whom have sold out made many beers I enjoy drinking, I've found great substitutes. And he says, keep up the great work and suck it tasty. I wonder how much of their label jockeying matters. Like, I wonder if it influences Mm. people or if it's just them being able, like at uh, Monument up the street, Monument Liquor, they have uh, Pliny the Hipster as a label (laughs) instead of Pliny the Elder. Yeah. Because they're tired of people coming into Pliny the Elder. Right. And they don't know shit about anything. And it doesn't matter. Right. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if it, I wonder if that kind of thing matters or is just for them to like feel good about the industry they they work. I I applaud it, obviously. Literally, I applaud it. So I would guess it doesn't affect sales, but it is a, I think it's a nice gesture to provide more information, even if it's not just feel good for them. If they're just yeah. like, well, we actually just want everyone to know what they're buying. We're not going to obviously we're not telling them not to buy it. We have it on the shelf. <laughs> right. We bought it. So so you should buy it. Yeah. In fact, if I were them and I found a downward trend, I'd take I'd change the label back. They're still a retailer. <laughs> right. You know, it's true. Um Anyway, and one last one on 14ers. God, it's 14er night here. Yeah. Doc's uh, happy. Ugh, I'm already yeah, tired yeah. and I haven't even walked anywhere. <laughs> Justin was a little off. There's not 9 or 12. There's 58 <laughs> 14ers. <laughs> okay. uh, and some you can drive to the top of or within a few hundred feet of the summit. That doesn't sound... Justin, I, I did Justin a 14er. What'd you do? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I drove yeah. up to it, got out, took a fart, <laughs> and then got back in and drove home and had a beer. Yeah. I did 10 14ers that way. I don't think my bus would make it to the top, so I can't even drive them. I can't make it on the walk. My bus can't make it on the drive. There's no 14ers for me. That's why you got the Beamer. It's fine. It'll run out of uh, batteries. <laughs> I'm telling you. This Solar power. I don't know. I'm trying I, to help. I'm like the Ford Beamer. In the Flatlands, yeah. as much as I can be. <laughs> me in the Flatlands. He says, it's awesome to watch. As a matter of fact, the Flatlanders oh, shit. Uh, up at that elevation, elevation because they turn green as shit and can't breathe. 
he says. Yeah, sounds like fun to watch. That's from Joe in Castle Rock, which is at 6,400 feet elevation. Oh. So I actually grew up at about 4,500 feet, 4,000 feet, something like that, in the high desert there. Yeah. So that, that kind of elevation doesn't bother me. But you could be sure as shit, at 14,000 feet, I'd be in trouble. There's no way, dude. I grew up at about 238 feet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like right here. Yeah, so I'm just like, eh. Yeah. And I get up in a plane and I start shitting my pants. <laughs> and they, But there's more oxygen in the plane than there is down here. <laughs> yeah, I, I go up the stairs and I'm like, I can't do it. It's too much. What airline are the you pressure. flying that there are stairs <laughs> yeah. to get on the airplane? The cool ones, I think out of Burbank you can do that. Or I've done it, uh, no, John Wayne. That surprises me so that you would John do Wayne. that. Like you can see everything. And yeah, you get on the tarmac. You, I feel like a like a celeb, <laughs> like a Kardashian. Yeah, you know, uh, you are a celeb in some circles. Thank you. <laughs> They're more like egg shaped ovals. <laughs> Keeping up with JP. Pear shaped. The new the new show on the Brewing Network. Oh my God, that'd be five minutes. It's basically the session. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah. Let's check in with JP petting cats. All right. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs> All right, we should take a break because my glass is empty. And we've yep. got to get to Oregon Specialty Fruit. We've got Chris Hodge here who's going to talk with us. And uh, before we go, check out the Beersmith Brewing software. Go to beersmithbrewing. Or, sorry, beersmith.com. Uh, it's the best home brewing and professional brewing, technically, software on the web. You get a free 21-day trial. There's video tutorials, podcasts, you name it, all over at beersmith.com. And you definitely should check it out because they're a great sponsor of ours. Brad's a good dude. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Oregon Specialty Fruit, our number, 888-401-BEER, if you want to call and ask any questions. Also, we got a chat room. Just hit the chat button. I think it's under community on our webpage. It is, as a matter of fact, Justin. And Bevo's in there to take your questions. Hang in there. It's the session. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Brewcasters. The Brewcasters on The Brewing Network. Are you a member of the White Labs Customer Club? If not, you should be. It's the easiest way to earn free stuff for turning in your old homebrew labels from either vials or pure pitch. All you have to do is save your labels and redeem them for things like free yeast, an exclusive White Labs t-shirt or sweatshirt, and even the opportunity to brew with the yeast man himself, Chris White. Signing up is easy. Just go to whitelabs.com slash customer club, fill out the registration form, and then mail in your labels. They will return the favor by sending you awesome White Labs swag. Go sign up today at whitelabs.com slash customer club. White Labs, pure yeast and fermentation since 1995. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! Do you like beer? They make beer. Watch out! Do you like friends and fun? They make friends and fun. Watch out! Do you still like to have a good time? The 21st Amendment. Watch out! The 21st Amendment in San Francisco, located at 563 2nd Street, two blocks from the building where baseball is seen and played. Try their beers in the pub or try them in the can. Featuring... Monk's Blood. Made with real monk. Watch out! So why not have the best time of your life? Go to the 21A and Sean O'Sullivan will personally greet you with a can of... Monk's Blood. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! This advertisement is not in any way affiliated nor associated with the 21st Amendment Bar and Pub, nor its subsidiaries or affiliates. This telecast is not copywritten by the 21st Amendment for the private use of the Brewing Network. Any use of this telecast without Jamil Zanishev's consent is prohibited. Suck it, JP. 
Brewing Great Beer is a process of continuous learning, and the best books on every aspect of brewing can be found at Brewers Publications, with more than 50 awesome titles like Modern Homebrew Recipes by Gordon Strong, Designing Great Beers, The Ultimate Guide to Brewing Classic Beer Styles by Ray Daniels, American Sour Beers, Innovative Techniques for Mixed Fermentations by Michael Tonsmeyer. For the Love of Hops, The Practical Guide to Aroma, Bitterness, and the Culture of Hops by Stan Hieronymus. And Radical Brewing, Recipes, Tales, and World-Altering Meditations in a Glass by Randy Mosher, plus many, many more. These are the books and the authors with the knowledge to push your brewing farther than you thought possible. And you'll find them all at fine homebrew and book retailers everywhere. And visit the website at brewerspublications.com. Brewers Publications. All the best on beer and brewing. Marin Brewing Company in Northern California has been making award-winning beers for more than 25 freaking years. Today, I want to tell you about their new 12-ounce cans of Mount Tam Pale Ale. The good stuff, Mount Tam is bright gold, 5.5% ABV to keep you feeling good, and has been winning awards since 1989. If you're visiting the Bay Area, get your butt out to Marin Brewing Company. They pour tasty beers and serve great food every day until midnight. Come in for a tour, stay for the food, and pick up a six-pack of cans of Mount Tam Pale Ale to enjoy at home, camping, biking, or whatever the hell you do. Owner Brandon Moylan has this to say about Marin Brewing beers. It's freaking awesome. Marin Brewing has won more than 100 gold medals in international competitions. Check out MarinBrewing.com for all their award-winning beers, food, and merch. Marin Brewing Company in Larksburg, California. Award-winning taste, refreshing finish. It's freaking awesome. Welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. And thanks to our great sponsor, Great Fermentations. Go to greatfermentations.com, the largest catalog of Brickman, Blickman products on the web. And their staff is some of the best trained in the biz using those products. Top-notch customer service and same-day shipping on many items. Go check them out at greatfermentations.com or like them on Facebook, GR8 Fermentation, Instagram, and Twitter. All right, as promised, I told you, we've got Oregon Specialty Fruit in the studio with us. And Chris Hodge came all the way down from Oregon to hang out with us. Chris, thank thanks. Thank you, Justin. Thanks, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Do you drive yourself down here? Do you fly down for I us? flew and drove I and love walked. it. You did. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> all, wow. all the ways. Yes, yes. Whatever it took to get here. Yeah. I love like it. hair. <laughs> I can tell. And thank you, because nobody else does, and we need it in That's our life. True. We need one person to care in our life. <laughs> yeah. They wouldn't have walked. So tell us, Chris, about Oregon uh, Specialty Fruit. And if we could just start with the history, my assumption is that you guys didn't start with uh, fermentable fruit products. It maybe started somewhere else? Yeah, canned fruit. Basically, yeah. 1935 was when the family, the Geller family started the fruit company in the Willamette Valley the fertile Willamette Valley of Oregon. And they started canning fruit because all the fruit was harvested within 5, 10, 15 miles of the, 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 product, the production facility. And for about 30 years, that's all they sold. Wow. Yeah. Doc, you remember those days. Uh-huh. <laughs> 30s when the, when the Geller family canning line came I, online. I, I remember seasonal food. <laughs> when you wow. Can only, you can only get fruit certain times of the year. Even you know, in California, Doc, are uh, you lying? Yeah. 
Yeah. Are you lying? Are, yes, are you I am. Lying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, telling the truth. No, but you can only get certain fruits or vegetables certain times of the year. Okay. And oh, God, it's May. Yay, we get strawberries. Yeah. And God bless Mexico. Yeah. Tomatoes, strawberries, yeah, all that. Then along came Peru. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so the Willamette stuff. Valley, though, is, is just like lush uh, fruit-growing region. Great fruit-growing region, great hop-growing region, just a great region in general. I'm a Portland native and grew up in Oregon and have seen that evolution take place. Unfortunately, uh, farming uh, for fruit has happened in many parts of the country, and right now we're able to sell our fruit all over the world. Wow. Yeah. That's round. That's a, you're point. wrong. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I, and you guys own the farms. Is, is that we right? We do not own the farms. You don't? We, okay. No, no. Actually, we have, we're sort of a negotiant with regards to the f- growers. And okay. our evolution for growing has happened now to where we're sourcing fruit from many parts of the world, not just the Willamette Valley. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Okay. So your specialty then is acquiring this fresh fruit yes. and I assume then providing it in another format that is just as fresh, at least as close as you can get. Uh, Post-digested. To, <laughs> yeah, uh, to consumers uh, of different kinds. Yeah. Okay. And so how long ago did you start getting into fermentation products with fruit? It was in the 80s when the Geller family realized that there was a need for purees for food ingredients. And Heinz became a really good customer of theirs. Oh, is that right? Yeah. That's a big land right there. To this day, they're still a a customer of ours. No kidding. Yeah. Think about that. I don't, I'm trying to think of like the modern equivalent. That's like getting in at the ground floor when you go Heinz. It was. There's not a house in America that doesn't have a Heinz product in the yeah. ca- in the cupboard. Yeah, it's Correct. like Microsoft coming to you for their cardboard. Or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So got into it there, and then just have kind of been expanding ever it, since. It basically sat there as a food ingredient for 25 plus years. Okay. And it wasn't until the one of the past CEOs decided that hey, you know what, this period would were great for the craft industry. Yeah. And it certainly took off. The Abita group uh, down in Louisiana was one of the first to, to grab onto our fruit. And okay. then it's been just constant growth. Got it. Yeah. Now, is there multiple formats that you provide the fruit to brewers in, or is it just puree? It's puree. Okay. I mean, it basically, it's a really great, simple process that doesn't take a lot of complexity. It's just, You take the fruit. You take off the skins, the pits, the seeds. You put it through into a cooking process to make it aseptic, so it's commercially sterile. Okay, which is the, one of the best uh, things you can do for for you know brewing. Yeah, no microbial activity. Right, and it really is just a f- user friendly product. You can store it ambient. You can ship it ambient. You can the shelf life's eighteen months. Okay. Yeah. So wow. there's really no reason not to use it. Yeah. If you're going to make a fruit infused craft beverage. And then it's just so fermentable, right? Just because of it being, the sugars being so accessible as a puree? Yeah, it's single strength. So yeah. it's not like a concentrate. It's basically if you were to take 100 pounds of fruit, put it in a big old vat and macerate it, and then threw that into your vat. Except the difference is there's no microbial activity in our, in our fruit. Got it. Yeah. That's actually a really good point to note, the single strength, because, you know, you could have gone another way. There could be concentrates, there could, but it's very simple to calculate that way then as a brewer. How many pounds of fruit per barrel? That's how much we need of the puree. And that's exactly what brewers love. They realize that they're getting the purest form of fruit without having to actually go through all the hand cutting and macerating and stomping and grinding and sweating. And yeah. and their own variability in the product because yeah. you can make them consistently. They can't necessarily do and that. And all exactly. that stuff takes way longer than you ever thought it would. Yeah. yeah. Are it you really blending uh, I mean, within the same fruit? Like, Are you blending raspberries in order to get 
a consistent sugar content. Yes, from absolutely. Batch to batch. Yeah. So that way it's a reliable. Yes. And, uh, and that's one of the source. things that we like to stress is that much like hops, much like pot, you can't, it, it, it varies from crop to crop. Sure. And so our, our crops that come in, we always test the bricks. We have very high standards for what the incoming fruit's like. And we blend it. Um, we don't blend a ton because we ultimately have very high standards for quality. Hmm. I like the pot reference. Yeah, like. just dropped it like it was uh, like it was nothing. I think like he knows his audience. You know, yeah. he was like, "Well, it's just like pot, guys." Yeah. and all our listeners are like, oh. <laughs> "I like the way it was just another word in the sentence." Yeah. <laughs> well, he's from Oregon too, so yeah. you got that going for him. From the fertile Willamette Valley. <laughs> is there a pot puree that you guys are selling now? Uh, uh, not to my knowledge. That's oh. called shape. Nothing <laughs> <laughs> he would admit to. Right. I can neither confirm nor deny. But let's just say we're big into dabs, so it's fine. Now, I, I, I realize this is a dumb question even as I'm asking it, but I have to. The, the, the process of the peeling and the and – the, this is all a automated factory that's happening at, at Oregon Fruit? I, I love to say that it was fully automated and there's no hands touching the fruit, but that's far from the truth. Really? Yeah. Actually, the activity itself is much like it was back in 1935. We have uh, about – Child labor. Yeah, well, not that bad. <laughs> okay. it, it, well, they're adults now. I, I was thinking hippie feet. Like, yeah. Like dirty, dirty hippie feet. Right. There are no feet involved. Okay. Right? <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's really a simple process. We take the fruit in. We basically put it through a very, very fine screen, and it's a finishing screen that uh, allows all the seeds and stems to come out. And the next thing you know, it goes into a big old kettle. We cook it for about 18, 20 seconds. Okay. Then it goes through a cooling tube system, and it go, it's all closed. So by the time it goes into the aseptic bag, all you have is basically the puree of the fruit. Got That's it. it. Nothing like more. F- nothing less. Pasteurized kind of a thing. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. And what is the bag that it goes in then? The mylar it's, type of material? Yes, exactly. Or, yeah. and, and each bag, whether it's a 42-pound bag, you know, 425-pound bag, or 2,300-pound bag, they're all the same bag. Really? Yeah. We have one yeah. somewhere, I thought. Yeah. A 425? Yeah, 2,300-pound bag. we got to go up there. <laughs> take, we'll take, the, take the remote mic. That's a tote with a liner? It's a tote with a liner. It's a steel drum with a liner. It's a cardboard box with a liner. Mm. Yeah. So what is your... Do you store right, fruit frozen that. as well? We do store, yes, absolutely, yeah. So that's your core product, and then you build these toasts and 42-pound bags out of that? Yeah, it's a great question because mm-hmm. we still do a lot of fresh fruit pureeing. Yeah. So red tarts, dark sweets, plums, uh, blueberries, numerous amounts of uh, raspberries and blackberries all come in fresh. Mm-hmm. We harvest, we buy, and then we flash freeze. Um, so that's a really important question. How People ask, how do you have this year-round? Yeah. Well, we actually put in these giant freezers that yeah. keep it frozen. Wow. Do you freeze the, the fruit or do you freeze the puree? The fruit. The fruit. Okay, and yeah. so then you you every day is harvest day when it comes out of the freezer. Yeah, yeah. Okay. pretty said, much. Okay, and then once it does become puree, we actually do keep it refrigerated uh, so that we extend the shelf life. Okay, yeah. but you said even then it's eighteen months uh, shelf life once yeah. you've packaged it uh, as a br- and I can keep that at ambient temperature if I want. We recommend the light fruits you refrigerate after about five months only to retain the color. Oxidation will happen in anything, Mm -hmm. Um, and what we recommend is that if you're going to keep a light fruit like a peach or an apricot or a strawberry, you you actually put it into the refrigerator for the next 12 months. Which is great advice because it's not just the flavor that beer drinkers are looking at. If they order a raspberry beer, they want it to look red. Yeah, Yeah, not not maroon. (laughs) Or brown. Yeah, Yeah, or brown, brown, right. yeah. 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 
Well, we've got some beer in our glass. Uh, we're actually not going to mention uh, who the breweries are, and, and that's just to protect their privacy. Some, of mm-hmm. course, uh, care or don't care if, if you say where they get their products from, and mm-hmm. some some do. Same as like when we talk to White Labs every now and then. You know, they have yeah. brewers that care and brewers that don't. But these brewers um, care. But we did want to talk about some of the. Well, we don't know if they we care. Actually, yeah. we didn't check. We don't care. They don't care. <laughs> right. We did. We we're didn't not going to care. I care if they care. Yeah. So let's talk about this heretic beer and let's see. Uh, oh right. shit! I'm sorry. So we're going to taste these beers and talk to you guys about them. Um, and and Chris, yeah, give us give us a lowdown. I guess we'll start with the one on the left. Yeah, the here. first one is uh, the passion fruit guava, and I will tell you that tropicals have exploded uh, for you know the, the last ten years. Dark fruits were really the, the the foundation for what our our fruits were known for. But we started sourcing fruits from uh, Brazil, Mexico, and Ecuador, and, and some of those fruits, passion fruit, uh, mango, pink guava, all, all come from um, you know these countries. And this this particular product. This particular blend is really a nice tropical note. It really is. Uh, We've noticed that trend just on the show, too. Uh, And a lot of times you can see why, because they end up being everybody's favorite beer, too. That tropical, especially the guava. Uh, someone recently even said, like, oh, if you're if you're looking to just nail it, just put guava in. You'll <laughs> right. be fine. Silver bullet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Justin, that's so true. It's the aroma that really carries it. Eighty percent of what you taste is what you smell, and the guava just pops in the nose. Yeah. It really does. And one of the things that we really – I mean, I'm, I grew up 34-plus years in the, in the beer business, and I've, I've never really been a huge fruit beer fan until the last year and a half. But these beers can finish dry. They're complex. They go with foods. They, they, they really fill a big void that was, for the last five years of the IPA craze, has really been sort of there. Yeah. And those characteristics that you're describing, I think, are also testament to brewers just becoming more skilled. Uh, not only uh, better products available, but brewers knowing how to use them. Because I'm with you. I, I was kind of no, no fruit beer. And even now, I'm, I'm pretty reluctant. It's got to be a, a brewery I know and love. If I'm going to order their fruit beer so that I can know that it's going to be dry, it's yes. going to yeah. have all the things I like and it's not going to taste, sorry, but that it's not going to taste like a Lindemann's. Well, you're right. I think, you know. I think it's, I think being a fruit beer enjoyer, lover, oh. is, thank you, has mm-hmm. gotten easier. Yeah, over the years, but I think people like us who kind of hold on to bitter things, <laughs> right? Like yeah. I've been burned so many like, times oh, by like sorry. poorly handled fruit. Right. Right. Bitter people, I don't want to deal with it or whatever. Sure. Um, yeah, but but you're pleasantly pleasantly surprised. I think Nowadays. more often than not, yeah. And so the technology is kind of pushed forward. Well, that, everybody's enjoyment of, of fruit beers and the styles have sort of moved over to like fruited IPAs. I mean, when yeah. you said fruit beer. Yeah, I never was a big fan of fruit beer. Yeah, well, that's a negative. But in terms of fruit, I, fruited IPAs are everywhere. I mean, well, there's a, you guys must sell a, a ton of blood orange. We sell a ton of all our fruit right now, Tasty. We really, and it, there's a palate revolution going on. There, there really is. I, wow. I don't care who you're talking to in the world of consuming alcohol, but uh, hmm. there's not a single alcoholic product out there that doesn't have some fruit-infused hmm. collection of flavors. Right. And the that's one true. thing I want to get away from is the word Perfect. flavor because it's really fruit. That you're talking about, sure, and and I think that's where oh. we, we talk about this mm-hmm. this idea of saying this is you know a centuries old tradition in the brewing world. I started in the business in 1984, and I traveled to Belgium two or three times a year for about the first ten years. And every time I would go over, you go into the Seine Valley where all the lambics were made, and it wasn't a, a question that every single <laughs> house in that country had fruit beers in their refrigerator. Right. This isn't something new, folks. Yeah, we're just we're new to it. Yeah. yeah. So so you're 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 differentiating between fruit flavor which is in my mind like 
extract where you add, you dose, a concentrate, whatever, versus fruit, which is this is actual fruit. It's not fruit flavoring. Yeah. Is that what you're getting at here? I'm just getting at the fact that it becomes integral in the entire process of brewing. So, you know, I, I've got friends in the hop business, the malt business, and I'll, they all say the same thing. Innovation is where the industry is going. And whether it's you know, innovation in how you roast your malt or the innovations of, you know, ex-clones for hops, fruit is it. And yeah. it, it's a way for, for brewers to have fun again. And, you know, with the, the softening of the craft industry in general, it's a way for them to stay relevant. It's also a way for them to capture market share that they lost. Yeah. It's also a way for them to say, hey, you know what? We're proud of the fact that we have these fruit beers now that happen to be our top two, three, four selling products. Right. Yeah. Make brewing fun again. Yeah. I got to like find that. a way the to The red hat. Mm. <laughs> oh, no. Why does it have to be red? Because to make America great again. Right. Oh. It's a MAGA joke. Political <laughs> jokes. Yeah. I got it. Thanks, yeah. guys. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for clearing that up for You're me. welcome. At the break, I'll draw on the glass with a dry erase marker. Now, am I right or wrong that the brewers are getting better? Too? Is it is it just your product that has made it uh, the while these fruit beers are better, or are the brewers actually just getting better with what they it's, do? It's both. And I think what we've seen is that you know we sell to brewers that have one-barrel systems or thousand-barrel systems and everywhere in between. Okay. So we're, we're push, they're pushing the envelope. We aren't. Yeah. We're producing a good old-fashioned fruit for them to turn something magical into something even better. Yeah. And, you know, growing up in the craft beer business, I, you asked me 10 years ago if fruit beer would have been the next great thing, I would have said, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I would have said, in fact, you would have said the opposite because there was a period of time that as people were uh, being introduced to craft in the early 90s, um, Fruit beers were pretty popular, you know, yeah. like Widmer's uh, Apricot, uh, yeah. whatever. That was Pyramid. But uh, Pyramid, there you yeah. go. Thank you. Yeah. Pyramid. Um, and and I, had I, 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 Widmer had Woodberry. Okay. that's yeah. So there's several. So I, if, if I were you, same question back then, I would have said, no, they're going to go on the decline. Not this coming back now, right? But... Well, thank the, God they're the, coming back the, better. The, to answer the second part of your question, there, there, therein lies the real key to this whole success. The brewers themselves are pushing the envelope. Kettle sours, gozes, <clears throat> barrel aging, you name it. Mm. This is where fruit shines. Okay. And, you know, it's Tasty mentioned IPAs. Yes, it's been hugely successful for us and the brewing teams uh, across the country. But quite mm. frankly, it's all the, you know, sort of other types of beer styles that are where this thing's really going to rise and stay. Sure. That makes sense. And to your point, Tasty, I'm a little annoyed that everybody's making a blood orange. Uh, yeah, it's sort of a no-brainer. Well, right, but I'm not the biggest fan of it. it also, right. And you know yeah. why? I'll tell you why. It, for the same reason, I don't drink a ton of IPAs anymore, so I, the bitterness already in an IPA. And to me, blood orange, almost any of the orange, it's not just a citrus that's being added. There's like a rind bitterness that yeah. I get often. Yeah. Well, what that's, you're doing, what your pH either. change as well. That's exactly right, Tasty. What, what you're mentioning is that pithy taste. Yep. So we yeah. source all of our uh, blood orange out of Italy, and we assess, uh, source all of our grapefruits out of South Texas, and neither one of them have that pithy quality you're describing. Interesting. They're very uh, pop citrusy. They're very mid mid palate sweetness. Okay. So you're not getting any of that off kind of weird sort of triangular flavor in your mouth. Well, that I would like better then. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you a list of the breweries who clearly aren't using your product. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I'm yes. sure I met them. Yeah. Right. And I don't mean that they're. I, I think the beers are well made, and I, I just I just thought every, it's another trend that I'm not a part of uh, because of the bitterness. <laughs> well, that I don't, that I'm not, that I don't, I'm not hip to, like I don't get no, it. No, it's like yeah. any beer style. Some are made well, some are. It's like the hazy yeah. beer. Some are, some are great, some are. Got it. And well, I'll give you a list like of the people that, that are using our products so you can go tice those first. Uh, and I would like that. Yeah, yeah. just to get a, yeah, yeah do Calibre. a little comparison. Yep. 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 
All right, what's our our, our next beer in our glass? Uh, the next beer. The first one was awesome, by the way. I what finished was, what it. was the yeah. fruit in that? I missed it. It was a passion fruit pink guava, and that pink wow. guava should have popped in, in the nose. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. passion yeah. fruit yeah. is extremely God. tart. Uh, the the pH levels are, are fairly uh, the Brooks levels are fairly low, but uh, it's a really intense fruit. It, uh, it smells like pog like uh, like a uh, pog yep. juice yep. almost. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Passion orange guava. Do you guys God. get the the fruit imported and then blend in house and puree it in house? This is a, these brewers are doing the blending themselves. So the brewer that made this particular beer oh, bought okay. passion fruit. They bought the pink guava fruit. and then they made their own ratios, which oh, okay. is how we recommend they do it. Yeah, got it. That way everybody can have their own unique yeah, recipe. Unique. Sure. Yeah. And both you and Tacey have mentioned pH also. Is that something when using fruit that brewers really have to account for? Is there a large change in the it's pH? It's more the bricks level, but the pH level is something that you have to account for if you're if you're with your hop bill because it really will it be, it can be very awkward if you're not careful. Yeah, the, the, I think the fruits are probably like 3.5 or so. They're exactly. much lower than the, than the finished beer. Yes. So you're going to lower the, the drinking pH by adding it. Yeah. But it depends on how much you're adding. I mean, like I, like I read something uh, – like in a five-gallon home brew batch, you might use one of your 49-ounce cans or something yep. like that. But that's a fair amount of volume, uh, you know, several quarts in a five-gallon batch. So, I mean, it will affect the pH. Do you, so how do you, do you have to compensate for that or you just let it go? I don't have to I'm just saying that. You have to be aware of it. Be aware of it. And okay. you, may, yeah, you may want to end up compensating. Because it. it'll really thin out the body of your beer and make it in an IPA. You add a bunch of fruit to it that's going to lower the pH. It'll taste really thin. I see. Yeah, they become very linear in flavor, yeah. and that's one thing you have to be careful with. And that's the why that this next beer you're going to taste actually has uh, pineapple and tangerine. Okay, um, it's really an IPA first, but then you you get the the notes of the, the fruit in the finish, and then it kind of fades away. Yeah, and that one is almost you, you could. You could almost argue that it was the hops if you didn't want to tell somebody you put fruit in it. Those are the well-made fruit, fruit and right. IPAs. I would have no idea that are, that are basically hop. Provide the vast majority of the, of the citrus character, yeah, and the blood orange is just like behind that. And got I, it. I don't know. I'd, I'd rather have the fruit. I mean, if you tell me it's a fruited IPA, I want to be able to know that there's fruit in there. I don't want it to. I don't want to think like if I if if I read on the mm. on the label this has fruit in it, yeah, and then I tasted it. Well, that just tastes like hops. I see. I yeah. would think it's a poorly made beer. Yeah, you just became one of the masses, dude. <laughs> Fuck. All right. Here we go. Yeah. I'm going to start drinking IPAs now. Well, you got married. You What's had a your kid. easiest uh, IPA, please? Yeah. Well, you're, you're okay uh, with pectin haze I'm going to take an Uber home. JP jumped the shark right here in front of our eyes. That's true. I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> Damn you. I know, but that, that's me, right? I don't, I, my pains are very clearly m- and, uh, wrong in most cases. But, but uh, in this that's case, what you're I right. Like. Because that's, that's why the success of this category is exploding. Because people like you and the other masses out there, love to think that if they're buying a fruited beer, they want to taste the fruit. I just That's what I want. It's good. So with a beer like this, though, where, as we're saying, it, you could maybe do it with hops. Um, mm-hmm. You could have done it with hops. It's subtle uh, below the hops. Uh, can a brewery maybe, like, save money on hops by getting the same effect using the fruit product and reducing the amount of hops they put in? Well, I know we're only supposed to talk about beer for five minutes. I could talk about this 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 for, this for about an hour, but Chris, I will just I, couch it into a into a right. dick joke, and it'll just go right. Yeah. 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 What, what does iTunes think about how much we talk about fruit? <laughs> well, it's so funny you ask that question because ultimately, what I would say is that ultimately, if you're going to have an IPA and and you want to have fruit in it, the best thing to do is make sure you make the IPA base first, and then add as much fruit until you get to that threshold where you're comfortable with. Okay. Period. 
But I mean, are you saying that you would maybe adjust your your hop bill though? You to absolutely. For the, Why would you waste all that money and, and great aroma hops? Yeah. If you really are going to try to produce a fruit forward IPA, right? And that's what I get out of this IPA. I get tons of hop aroma. So are typically fruit purees cheaper than oh. kind of the name brand? Tropical hop varieties that we can find? Uh, yes, but I, I won't say that you would still use the same amount in terms of the dollar amount spent. Hmm. So it, it, there, there's a trade-off for sure. I'm not going to say you save money or it's the best method. Yeah. But I, I would say as a brewer, if I am if I have these precious aroma hops that I paid $17 a pound for, I'm sure as so I'm not going to put them in a fruited IPA where I'm, I'm going to use them for an <laughs> IPA where the, the hops shine. I Ironically, see. Justin, uh. what's really interesting, look at all the hop or look at all the beer descriptions in the last three or four years. Everybody who's using these big hopped up IPAs are describing tropical fruit yeah. flavors and notes and yeah. aromas. You're right. You can't buy an IPA today that doesn't have the word pineapple or tropical sure. or citrus or you name it. Yeah. I mean, they're describing fruits and everything they describe with uh, the hops. Sure. Some people are even using the word juicy. Juicy. <laughs> At least they're not using the word moist. <laughs> I'd prefer that, actually. I'd rather drink a moist IPA than a juicy IPA. Same thing. Well, this is another good beer. I I think JP and I are at least in agreement that um, oh. it's hard to tell there's fruit added to it. It's, it's yeah, and and I I, I like Tasty's comment that that means it doesn't was done well. Like yeah. that, like, well you know, maybe they, what they were going yeah. for. Yeah. I don't know. I I think all the hops ruined it. <laughs> I like the first one better. Mm-hmm. Get better. all the hops out of the way. Lower the alcohol. Yeah. Give me yeah. the give me the give me the fruit. If I'm ordering a fruit beer, I obviously like fruit beers. Yeah. Give me a fucking fruit beer. Stop wasting time. Don't I waste like my the, time. Let's I go. Like, let's go. I like the try. variety. That's true. I I'm like just... the first one with a little more and this one with a little less. Yes. I, yeah. Variety is the... the spice of life. That's what they say. <laughs> I just made that up. How did you know I was going there? <laughs> All right. What's our third beer before we have to get to a break? This is super special. This is this is a barrel-aged beer that has blackberries in it. And, I, I mean, we can't really... You could probably describe the color on the radio better than I could. But it's gorgeous. Red. It's got a reddish... <laughs> right. Just hold it right yeah. there in the camera. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's absolutely stunning. A burgundy, maybe. Yeah, yeah. This is this is what fruit was made for. Oh, when, when you when you make a beer good. like this yeah. and then you add fruit, um, I think this is if you if you look turn the clock back four hundred years when the Belgians were first experimenting with with fruit, this is what they tried to make. I like that you said this is what fruit it was made for, not to keep us alive or right. vitamins. No. No. It was made for this kind of beer. Yeah. It's a beer. Or, it wasn't food or for plants to continue growing other plants. No, it was made to be eaten. I've got priorities. Yeah, it's yeah. made to be pureed, heated for eighteen to twenty-five seconds, cool <laughs> bag, cooled the yes, beer yeah. in a bag, and then, and then shipped to your favorite brewer. Oh. Thank you, baby Jesus. Because <laughs> no. everything's an evolution. Yeah. And this, this is another wonderful California brewery who made this beer. And i got to tell you that these are the types of beers that I'm seeing all across the country. I get the, the pleasure and benefit of visiting most brewers in this nation. And everybody's experimenting with sours, kettle sours, gozes, barrel aging, you name it. Yeah. That's the future of the, of the category. Sure. This is another great example. You're right. Mm-hmm. I love California brewers. And talk about food. Most, of them. most oh. of them, anyway. I love oh, you, too, great. Justin. <laughs> Present company included. <laughs> exactly. so, I'm just going to drink the beer and leave him alone. <laughs> Poor kid. Why? I won't. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, we're we're going to start seeing a you know sort of a, another culinary uh, um, sort of angle to this whole thing where where chefs are really falling chefs are falling in love with the fruit beers. Yeah, for all the right reasons. 
Sure. Whether it's an aperitif, the you know the main course, the dessert course, it doesn't matter. Just great pairings, yep. uh, cooking with it. Yep. Yeah, it, it just fits a little better. Yeah, and good aging. I mean, the good news is that if you're making these beers, instead of having a 90-day shelf life, you can have a three-year shelf life. I like it. So do you guys give recommendations about, you know, pounds per barrel? Do you, do you help educate, you know, breweries who are or ordering from you? Maybe they haven't done a fruit beer before. Yeah. You do? Yep. Okay. Ton, tons of education. We're, I'm learning every day. I mean, so it's not just us. It's actually the brewers themselves sharing information. We're really on the first sort of doorstep of what's happening with fruit. And brewers in this country really are just sort of experimenting on their own. So they're, th- this kind of show to me makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. I mean, if, if we could have another chance to get on, you know, in a year from now, the, the, the commentary is going to be much different. It'll be different, much, yeah. Much at a much higher level. Yeah, you guys are in a really, just being honest, it sounds like you're in a really good position uh, in the brewing world because you're, you know, you've already been doing the, the fruit packaging yep. for years. Uh, so you're just ripe. Uh, for the picking? So speak, yeah, so to speak. <laughs> to provide a really good product. I mean, I'm just saying good on you. A really right place, right time. Well, and plus we're family owned. So we have no intention, and the owner is uh, a third generation Oregonian. He has no intention of doing anything except passing this this company on to his kids. Nice. And I have no intention of, of stopping selling fruit until I retire. Got it. I, I, I wouldn't do any different if I were any of you. you know, these kids sitting home playing video games right now, just waiting to inherit the company. God bless them. Sure. <laughs> They're eating their fruit. They're eating their fruit. Now, how do you like this? This is more fruit forward, JP. Yes. It's uh, a fruit beer. And I enjoy and, it very much. And also sour. It's the first uh, sour beer that we've had. Yes. Although not the first tart beer we've had. Right. It's got okay. some barrel in Yeah, the first yeah. one was sour. Well, first one was tart. Yeah. It was? Oh, kettle yeah. sour? Okay. Yeah, kettle sour. Yeah, yeah. 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 tart kettle sour. Oh, it was a little mild. Okay, yeah. it, was, it was mild, but it was. Yeah, yeah. It was that's why I'm, I'm. That's why I'm differentiating between tart and sour. Well, you're, you're looking at PDO yeah. and lacto, and and you know, so there's a lot going on in this beer. Mm-hmm. It's exception. It's it's a very very well made product. Yeah, it's interesting. It's not just the the fruit. There's a little chocolate in there. I've, I feel like I get too. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that's the barrel. Uh, Maybe the barrel, but it's yeah, probably like yeah. the, the the base beer. Maybe you had a little bit of darker malts. I think that can kind of come through with. Soured, darker beers. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I don't. I haven't even looked at the container this beer is in, so I don't know. <laughs> one, one thing I like about your guys, this is a has blackberry in it, but the blackberry and raspberry. Yeah, that you actually, it's a puree, but you actually get some of the tannin and, and seed character uh, in a good way. Mm-hmm. That you don't get in extracts or flavorings and it's, stuff like that. Uh, thank so, you for mentioning that because it's so important. Because if if you take we take these whole pieces of fruit and when you push them through the the finishing screen, everything but the seed goes through. So you're getting the tannins, you're getting the skin contact, you're getting little hairs that you know everything that adds flavor to that fruit is going into that puree. Hmm. And if you you know pour the puree out into a glass, it's not, you know, thin. It's actually got some body to it. It's there's like pectin, there's proteins, there's there's all the great stuff in fruit that you would expect. Sure. Yeah. Sure. It's sugar? juicy. Yeah. It it's is sugar. juicy, yeah. But is it moist? How moist is it? <laughs> <laughs> the right amount. Moist boys. Add the it right again. amount of moist. All right. Well, let me get us to another quick break, and when we come back, we'll taste a little more and talk a little more. Uh, do not forget about our good friends over at White Labs. Uh, they've got two strains available added to the vault for homebrewers. Uh, their, con- their collection of specialty, one-of-a-kind strains. WLP 066 London Fog Ale Yeast and 073 Artisanal Country Ale. Now available for pre-orders. Just go to White 
whitelabs.com, the vault. Uh, once each strain reaches 150 orders, White Labs will release the yeast and ship it directly to your doorstep. And good news for pro brewers, uh, if you want access to any of the vault strains for your next brew day, just place a minimum order of one and a half liters through yeastman.com or contacting a customer service rep. All right, White Labs, good people. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. Uh, we're talking, obviously, to Oregon Specialty Fruit and tasting some wonderful fruit beer. I'll have to get that list from you so I know which other ones to buy. <laughs> Hang in there. It's the session. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Brewcasters. The Brewcasters on The Brewing Network. Your support of the Brewing Network means everything to us. We couldn't produce shows without you. And we love giving you something extra for that support. Like Brew Your Own Magazine. You already know it's a great brewing magazine full of recipes, equipment how-tos, discussions of beer styles, and brewing techniques. Whether you're new to brewing and just starting out or you're an old pro, you'll always learn something from the articles in Brew Your Own. Plus, there are amazing special issues like plans for building a brew 10 system, 250 classic clone recipes, and the Home Brewer's Answer Book. Brew Your Own Magazine and BYO.com are awesome resources for any brewer, whether for yourself or as a gift. When you subscribe or resubscribe from the Brewing Network homepage, you directly support programs like this. Get a great magazine and support the Brewing Network. Subscribe to Brew Your Own right from the BrewingNetwork.com. Do you know the three most important rules in brewing? Sanitation, sanitation, and sanitation. And no one does it better than Five Star Chemicals. Five Star knows sanitation. You can only sanitize clean equipment. And Five Star knows how to clean, too. For craft brewers and home brewers, Five Star has what you need to keep your fermenters, serving tanks, kegs and draft lines sparkling and free of any beer-spoiling bacteria. PBW, caustic, acid cleaners, star sand, Santa Clean, lubricants and defoamers, pH stabilizers, and more. Five Star Chemicals has cleaning supplies, safety supplies, heat exchangers, pumps, hoses, and valves. And Five Star is proud to offer eco-friendly products that exceed customer expectations. If you have a cleaning problem, you need the Five Star Solution. Visit FiveStarChemicals.com or call 800-782-7019. 800-782-7019. And get the Five star treatment today are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all grain brewing but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises blickman engineering has the answer the blickman brew easy all grain brewing system the brew easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design perfect for any size brewing location at its core the brew easy is built on two gorgeous blickman boilermaker brew kettles a high temperature march pump and either a top tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric heater the brew easy adapter lid allows the pots to stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20-gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your BrewEasy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman Kettle Cart. The BrewEasy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your BrewEasy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new BrewEasy all-grain brewing system. See it today at BlickmanEngineering.com and brew with Blickman quality on your new BrewEasy. 
you work in retail sales, the restaurant industry, or are a new craft beer enthusiast, or you know someone who is, you have got to check out Beer 101. Beer 101 is an online course created for anyone wanting a quick introduction to the vast world of craft beer. Beer 101 covers the history of beer, brewing ingredients and processes, vital stats like ABV, SRM, IBU and gravity, styles, tasting, glassware, and pairing beer with food. The Beer 101 course is offered by the Brewers Association at craftbeer.com, also home to the truly awesome Beer Style Finder, a visual guide to every beer style. Quickly play with color, bitterness, and alcohol content to interactively explore the entire world of beer styles with a gorgeously designed interface to your favorite beverage. The new Beer 101 course and new Beer Style Finder are only available at craftbeer.com. Craftbeer.com, celebrating the best of American beer. Hey guys, what'll it be? I'm not sure. What do you recommend? A lot of people seem to like the Hefeweizen. Is that a German Hefeweizen or more of an American-style wheat beer? I'm not sure, but I can give you a taste. Okay, great. Great. The Cicerone Certification Program certifies and educates beer professionals in order to elevate the beer experience for consumers. Unfortunately, not every bar is staffed with certified beer servers who can guide their customers through a beer list. Here you go, guys. Let me know what you think of the Hefeweizen. Yeah, that's definitely more of an American meat. But I can hardly tell because this beer just smells like sour butter. I wonder how long it's been since they cleaned the draft line. Yeah, and look at the bubbles on the side of the glass. It's filthy. Somebody should tell these guys about the Cicerone program. For sure. How about we head somewhere else for another beer? Your server should give beer the same respect you do. Request quality. The Cicerone certification program offers four levels of beer certification, in-person classes, and course books for beer professionals. Check them out at Cicerone.org. The Cicerone Certification Program. We know beer. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. Yeah, welcome back to the show. Thanks for hanging in there with us, listening to our sponsors. You know, they bring you the show. Couldn't do it without them. You'd have to pay me a lot of money if it weren't for them. They pay us a lot of money. They're saving you. Oh, they they pay us a lot of money? Oh, well, they should. No. No, they don't. Oh, I'm okay. just saying. Huh. They pay enough to keep us alive. Yay. And uh, if it weren't for them, our listeners would have to pay a lot of money. That's true. So, on that note, go to craftbeer.com and check them out. They got a beer and food course. You know, we were just talking about that with the uh, fruit beers and how chefs are inclined to start using these beers uh, more and more. Well, craftbeer.com beer and food course is the groundbreaking course that leads professionals and enthusiasts, chefs alike, uh, through the basics of pairing beer and food. Uh, by the way, it's all free. Um, it's uh, built by a Culinary Institute of America graduate and a certified Cicerone. And there's two versions, actually, a professional version for chefs, uh, restaurateurs, brewers, and uh, hospitality professionals, and an enthusiast version for at-home chefs. So go learn how to pair beer with your favorite foods, including chocolate, charcuterie, and cheese, and you'll get to know beer styles while you're at it. Uh, and it's all free over at craftbeer.com. Check it out. All right. We're still here talking to uh, Oregon Specialty Fruit, and uh, we've I think we're going to do something kind of cool right now that Chris brought for us. It's very cool, and I'm also going to get a dick joke in, and we're going to make our own concoction. I love it. Uh, 
Well done. All we do are dick jokes well, around Beardy here. Beardy touched all the all, right. all the straws. To let you know. Damn it, Beardy! With yeah. my dick. I think he licked he licked the pink one. <laughs> Fucking dick, the old dick fingers <laughs> all over there. All right, all right. <laughs> Can't cram them all into one thirty-second segment. Oh, no, no. challenge accepted. <laughs> Uh, What are we going to do here, Chris? We're going to take four of our fruit purees, pure fruit purees, and you're going to make your own fruit beer. Um, So we've got a really wonderfully made California lager from a well-established long-term California brewer. Yeah. And you're going to decide what kind of fruit beer you want to make. So we've got four different fruits to choose from. We've got pure red raspberry. We've got blackberry. We've got a mango from Mexico. We've mango. got a blood orange from Italy. Wow. What are the chances that uh, JP won't bitch even though he gets to make his own concoction? <laughs> None. Zero. None. None Zero. chances. You think I'm going to complain about my own work? Please. How well do you know me? All right. So... So I guess we're so what we have then is uh, the puree in our glass yes, uh, in, yes. in some a, community glassware. We're just going we're just going to dump they, them right into our. Right. You can go right gonna, ahead, Chris. Do it how you it want. What would be a reasonable amount? To put I was going to do small amounts, like with a straw. I, that's a oh, really yeah. good point. I'm worried. Uh, I'm just going to do a, a quick little yep. dosage. Ooh, it's thick though. It like barely. Comes. Hey Warren, yeah. instead of hogging all the straws, why don't you pass them around so we can all have one? I can't even reach them. Oh, it's on every glass. He reached most of them. Every one of them. With his dick. And I will tell you that yeah. when, when I talk Thank to brewers Justin. and what they're when they're doing their bench tops, a lot of a lot of brewers will literally sit there with their their house IPA and they'll get a sample bag from us for free that we ship samples free all over the country, all over the world for that matter. Nice. And the little three pound bags you'll get, you're able to literally make a bench top. And as you'll see right in front of your face, you're going to see these beers turn into luscious looking fruit beers. How, how much should we be adding as a start? Like, I just, like drops? Literally, yeah. I mean, we're don't, only, don't fall for it, Chris. Uh, he's just, a tip. he's just yeah, looking for someone to blame if you tell him too much. Can I have a fucking straw, please? <laughs> I gave the love of God. I gave him to you. Thank to you, Justin. Around. You're the best. You just had one. one per glass. A big bag of straw. Just him one per no. What, what's this first it's fruit? Him. Well, we have raspberry over there. Uh, and then we have blackberry. It's obvious by the color and the smell. The mango is very obvious by the color and the smell. And then the, the, black, uh, the blood orange from Italy. Okay. Now, so. of course, we're tasting these unfermented. Uh, but yeah. but it, I assume that it still gives a brewer an idea of what he can expect out of the flavor. And then, of course, it will alter as the beer ferments. Well, he or she, I would say. Oh, thank you. Yes. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Good call. Or it. But Good call. Or it. They. Them. <laughs> Them. They. But I, I will tell you that a lot of brewers literally will start with this, and then they'll they'll run their little pilot system and then come up with their own recipes. Okay. And, you know, you asked earlier about dosage. And the more intense fruits, like two of the ones you're tasting right now with raspberry and blackberry, those are some of our most intense fruits. Um, I think Tasty just took a, a nose whiff off one of them. I mean, they smell like you just macerated a handful of raspberries. Yeah, you can smell the fiber oh, in, the, in the fruit. Can I get that one down there? Yeah. yeah, I'm not done with it, though. You know what I did is I put oh, like I guess I'm done with it. Put like four drops. <laughs> like you're done of the uh, mango in the beer. Then I still had the beer I didn't doctor yet, so I had like a reference. So just a few drops make a big. That's a, a really a good point. Yeah, and most most you know really well talented brewers will do that. They'll start yeah, just, small and yeah. then start building up. Yeah. Okay, start and so so those first intense fruits, maybe a half a pound per finished gallon of beer is. Our recommended dosage. I see. And we also recommend that brewers do it doing primary fermentation. I mean, there's a lot of folks out there who are still st- struggling with, well, do I do a hot side, do a cold side? The best combinations happen with day two or three of primary. Right. And then after cold cr- 
crash. Some of the brewers will hold it back, you know, 20 to 30 percent of the whole fruit volume, and they'll let the beer rest on the fruit for up to three to seven days, depending on how much, you know, bright space uh, they have. Okay. And they're not losing a bunch in aromatic? No. On the blow off no. and everything? Really? No. That's, that's, well, that's why they're, they're saving some of it. But I, the extraction on aroma that you'll see here, even with not fermenting the beer, is just incredible. Well, and the hot side seems ridiculous it's to me. It's ridiculous. It used to be like, because you weren't providing, maybe they couldn't get an aseptic product, right? right. And so yeah, they right. were sterilizing it like everything else. That's but exactly yours, right. yours is aseptic. Yep. Why cook it? It's, it changes everything. We have turned so many brewers on to realizing that you wouldn't cook a commercially sterile product. There's absolutely no need. Yeah, yeah. You relax, Doc. It's good education. Yeah. I'm digging this mango, dude. It tastes like yeah. uh, like mango meat, man, just right off the yeah. fucking yeah. thing, yeah. man. It's, it's and really I'm, incredible. I think <laughs> I have more mango than beer right now. And, I kind of like it. <laughs> and also, by the way, the blood orange, yeah. not bitter. No pith. Exactly. No, yeah. it's really yeah. nice. Yeah. 100% right. No yeah. pith. And the oh, grapefruit yeah. that we source. smell, though. It's got this, it's got a strong blood orange smell, though. That's because it's from blood orange. Yeah. No, but it's just... It, it, in a good way, you're I saying. I haven't put that much in there. Oh, really? The taste is perfect. And it comes oh. right out. Oh, yeah. It's it, very aromatic. Now, the mango uh, is interesting. It, I don't know. I don't have... I, I well, I guess, I, guess this way. I just got it, Bureau. <laughs> Shut up and wait. Um, we have four extracts and three beers. We're right. I'm also... I'm in the middle of doing the whole thing right now. <laughs> hey, can I... Hey, 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 Justin. <laughs> hey, hey, can I, can like, I have that? Five had, minutes ago. Hey, you think I saw that you had it? <laughs> you can't see anything. Right. It was levitating. You're, you're five so, feet from me. This is the first one I I've, wow. I've, uh, 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 dove my nose right in. And and you're right, Tasty. It has a lot of the fibrous flavor, Right, uh, and I think it's worth bringing up because the aroma in the finished product is so much different. It's so much brighter. It's yeah. so much right. Yeah, this one's just uh, yeah. I mean, one of the things we're seeing too is that brewers are, are figuring out ways for filtration, centrifuging. Um, we actually do a couple versions that are depectinized. So pectin is a is common in every type of fruit. Okay. And there are various pectin levels in every type of fruit. So some brewers prefer just less pectin to deal with on the on the on the filtration. So side. it doesn't clog cl- the beer up. Yeah. Fuck the pectin. Now, I also noticed that some of the purees are thicker than others. Thank you. Yes, the blood orange, the grapefruits, the the citrus uh, products traditionally are a little bit thinner. Um, blueberry tends to be a little thinner. But anything that's uh, – stone fruits are traditionally a little thick. The berries themselves, because, you know, you do get all the, the seed sort of compounds in there. Um, and it's just pure fruit. I mean, I think I love to look at the, the blackberry and the raspberry after it's been poured out. Yeah. I mean, it looks like a smoothie, basically. It does, yeah. 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 Looks healthy. Yeah. It looks, looks like I should drink more of it. You know, and, and yeah. one of the things about the thickness. <laughs> antioxidants in here. Well, and that's one thing, unfortunately, you know, our government won't let us, you know, talk about the, the health benefits of the fruit oh, and the beer. Yeah. But it's real. What do you mean we're not allowed to talk about it? Well, we can talk can't about it right here. You, you, can't, you can't actually print it. Because it of the hang on okay on the alcoholic product you yes. can't print yes. okay yes. but you could yes. print it on the on your uh, packaging before it's been turned fermented right we could okay we refrain from doing so just because i think it could be misleading okay yeah yeah it's and, not worth it and anybody with a brain can know. figure it yeah, out yeah thank right. you that's what i was gonna say if you don't know move along <laughs> right in right. life Do right. we know well, if you're supplying it to a food company it wouldn't be unreasonable to have the nutrition facts that's a great point kind of thing yeah right? they probably do that themselves and right? well we provide c of a's so we provide a complete analysis so for every single that. product yes yeah, exactly. your, your, yeah. your 
your yeah. sheet. Got it. Do we know of a beer law guy that could look into this for us? <laughs> I think it's already been looked into. It is not possible. I think uh, I, I like the fruit purees. I don't want to say over the beer, but I. It makes me want more fruit flavor in fruited beers now. But do you think that's just because they're not fermented? Like you're just getting the gist of it. Oh, maybe. Yeah, you know that what I mean. Right. Like yeah, you're yeah. Just, you, and that's what I kind of was asking. Like as a brewer, and I've always been terrible at this. Like predicting what the finish flavor is going to be. Um, I can see why a brewer would sit and do this. And oh yeah. Smell and taste the puree. Put it in a beer. Get an idea of what's happening. Yeah. But there are so many um, raw flavors in this these concoctions we've made mm-hmm. that were not in the finished products that we tasted in the last segment. Right. Right. And so I've always had difficult. That's why I'm not a great brewer. Like difficulty, uh, you know, seeing ahead. So a brewer has to be able to do that because really a lot of the flavors in here um, are not going to be there. What uh, this might be along the lines of a really dumb question, but what would happen if you put this in post fermentation? Oh my god! <laughs> that was just not even along the line. That was just pure dumb. There, there are those I'm that the Robin do it. Of dumb questions. <laughs> there are those that do it and do it successfully. Really? So, yeah. 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 And, Isn't that more common though? In the, that they do it in the bright, or is they do it? It, it is actually quite common. Yeah. And, and ironically, it's it's funny to note that um, you're actually on the board. With that See, one. there we go. <laughs> All right. Well, Contrary to what your friend Justin says, I think you're an okay guy. Well, it's easy with the F word. Oh, wow. So, so it goes into the bright, but doesn't that kick up fermentation because you're adding it sugar? Does. It can. Okay. It you can. just allow for that. It, you allow for that. And it depends on the lake of contact with the fruit. And, and that's what I was going to add right there, that adding it post, if you're going to allow it to ferment, then that's different than adding it post and it not fermenting. Well, and thank you very much for that, because if you turn back the clock to my story about being in Belgium, all of the brewers in Belgium during the in the Seine Valley actually used horizontal fermenter or horizontal bright tanks. And they would leave the fruit in contact for 6, 12, 18 months sometimes with the fruit. Wow. So, you know, there you have it. I mean, this is not something new, folks. This is something that we are now rediscovering that could, you know, last another three or four centuries. Sure. Is there a lot of sugar in the mango Mango. uh, puree? The bricks level in the mango is about 14. Mm. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's pretty high. Yeah. The rest are more like 8 to 12. Yeah. Yeah. Raspberry's about 10. Blackberry's about 10. Um Passion, you know, there's there's a ton of uh, fruits that we sell that really it's not about the bricks level. It's, it's about the intensity of the black currant, for example, one of the best hidden gems in our portfolio. Super tart, super low in bricks, but man, the intensity that gives to a, a product is immense. And you know, back in the day, if you had framboise, you had passion, you had cassis, and cassis is black currant. Hmm. Okay. A lot of the the raspberry and blackberry. Uh, sugars will ferment out. Are all the mango sugars fermentable? Will that 14 yes. go down to yes. near zero? Yeah, it'll wow. drop. Yeah. I love that mango, man, because it's like you get some of those those aromas and those flavors from, uh, again, that might sound stupid, but the, the, the meat of the thing closer to the seed pod. Like if you if you ever eat a mango, you peel yep. it and you kind of eat it, and it's ju- the outside is juicy, maybe bruised and kind of like a little mushy. And as it gets closer, like the, the more tight, Flesh, if yep. you know what I mean. Mm. Um, Younger, thank you. Yeah. It has, uh, oh yeah, it has um, this. I don't know this green aromatic to it. Yeah, it changes absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But it's but it's what I like about these is that it's the whole fruit. It's the whole thing. We've talked about this on other shows, like with ciders and all this kind of stuff, where you you want to get a, pic, a snapshot of the whole entire fruit. Yeah, and and that's what these do. They do. 
The mango's my favorite, and I want to pour the whole glass into this. And Do just it. You can just drink it. Pour it, it. Pour it all into it. You can drink it. Excellent. Yeah. You can just drink it, the puree right as it is. Oh, yeah. There's several people on our staff who don't yeah. drink alcohol, and they'll just drink that for breakfast. Yeah. Oh, I love yeah. it. Yeah. And I will, for those who love cooking, these make amazing uh, dressings, barbecue sauces, you name uh, it. I was going to oh, ask yeah. you. Yeah. Do Sunday, a raspberry vinaigrette, Sunday a raspberry toppings. balsamic. I was going to ask you if people are using these in cocktails. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah that's, that's perfect. That's a good too. idea. Cocktails. Yeah. Like oh god, when I was a bartender, I would have loved that because yeah. we're back there like macerating the stuff ourselves. Yeah. Just go buy it from Oregon Fruit. Well, and can you imagine having that in your refrigerator or in your dry shelf and just being able to pour it out for the next, you know, three or four days? Yeah. Yeah. I can. Well, I want to thank you very much for being on the program with us. It's been a pleasure. It has been educational and a pleasure for us to the the beers are wonderful and I'm yeah. optimistic as you are about the future of fruit beer. <laughs> yeah. Finally. The future's in good hands. Finally. Well, fruit beer. Yeah. Really. You were confident yeah. enough in your product to let us try to mess it up. <laughs> right. Even we were still enjoying it's, it. It's it's being proof. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, JP did complain about his own concoction. I did. <laughs> what I for the record. I want more. Oh, well. Well, that's a good thing, right? Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. Go to OregonFruit.com. Thank you. And check it all out. You can learn about everything that Oregon Specialty Fruit does. And there's a link right at there at the top that says uh, Fruit for Fermentation. And, of course, like we mentioned earlier, you can go to MoreBeer, More our baby. wonderful sponsor, and um, and check it out over there. And, uh, well, Chris, you'll have to come back as as things evolve, like you said, and talk to us some more. And we'll get a, we'll get a good fruit sour brewer in with you next time so we can really get both sides of it too Um, but very educational I appreciate it pomegranate's coming out right after Thanksgiving this is a little plug for the next season be be aware I think we should really make a pomegranate beer I love pomegranate I'll make whatever you want you're looking at me November 26th because you're looking at me okay you it'd be great have you guys done a November 26th well guys I think we should go up there I think I heard Chris say we get to keep all of the purees so if anyone's brewing in the next Next week or so, let's use them or lose them. Fucking brew tomorrow. Brew. Take right, it, I got an idea. I could blood orange right now. I, I mean, you don't even really home brew anymore. Don't lie to everybody. I'm making. Well, I have, more, I'm I making more than all of you combined on Thursday. So. <laughs> Actually, quick question, since we're talking about this. So now we've opened the packaging, which which has a a twist on, even though we said it's a a mylar bag. Pop-off top. Uh, Now that we've opened it, when we put it back, what's the shelf life now? We can't. Guarantee commercial sterility once it's been opened. Okay. However, for home brewers, we well, know home you brewers know, can leave it open for seven, ten days in the fridge. No problem. Absolutely. What if like Beardy licked it? Mm. Dibs on mango. It depends on who. Okay. There we go. Nice. There we go. So we might get a couple home brewers out of this, guys. What can I make with a mango? Anything. Like like mango Vienna lager doesn't sound good. Mango Kolsch. Mango. Mango Vice. Mango Berliner Vice. Oh, that sounds good actually. All right, I'll do. I'll learn how to do that. <laughs> you have type it into your machine. The wonderful Just punch the robot in the nuts and it'll come out. <laughs> the wonderful Pico Brew machine and tell thank it you. it'll do it. Um, all right, hey, thank you Justin, again. Thank you very much. I Thanks appreciate everybody. it. Chris Hodge from uh, Oregon Specialty Fruit, and we're going to come back with Gary Glass from the American Homebrewers Association, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the recent homebrew survey. We're going to learn about numbers and things. I love numbers and things. I know you do. But no stuff. (laughs) Hang in there. It's the session, and we'll be back right after these words.
listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Check out their brand new patent-pending mash and boil 110-volt electric mashing and boiling unit. This compact all-stainless unit lets you mash, sparge, and boil just about anywhere that has a 110-volt plug. Double-wall construction adds to efficiency and safety, and a precise thermostat keeps temperatures where you want them. Unlike insulated buckets and converted coolers, multiple temperature rest mashing is easy to do all for under 300 bucks they also feature the mark ii work pump a magnetic drive high temperature pump that does the work of pumps that cost twice as much as well as exclusive brewers edge regulators and quality keg king kegs and disconnects check them out today at williamsbrewing.com to bruise their vast selection with over 20 years of experience making world-class craft beer and more than 100 gold medals in international competitions moylan's brewing company is not just a pretty face in craft beer. Just ask Brendan Moylan. What do we got here? The beer of the hour. Moylan's, gotta love that big M. It's like a sign of awesomeness. It's got an extra kick to it. Let's pour this bad boy. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, Moylan's. The end of the night when the kids are finally in bed, the wife's in bed, <laughs> nobody's bothering your ass anymore. That's Moylan's time. Moylan's is for you. Yeah! It's to help you out. Yeah. It helps me out. What? Well, because it's freaking awesome. Northern California brewed. It's brewed with love. With love? Oh, yeah. Tremendous. And it's always best where? Moylan's. got to try it on tap at Moylan's. In Novato. They're friggin' awesome. Not only because I own the brewery, because I love the beer. Cheers! Boom! Kilt Lifter Scotch Ale takes big beers to a whole new level with rich malt balanced perfectly with delicate hops and now comes in four-pack tall boy cans so you can take the party on the go. Or come to the brewery, take a tour, and try any of Moylan's fresh creations right from the source. Check them out at Moylan's.com. Army, have you heard the latest at HopTech? Since HopTech has doubled in size after a huge expansion, Jade and Roberto can stock even more of the best quality homebrewing supplies and equipment. Over 60 kick-ass varieties of hops and malts, monster truckloads of quality brewer's yeast, including white labs, Y yeast, and multiple dry yeasts. They even have all grain systems from Grainfathers and Ruby Street Brew Systems, thanks to Jade, the brand new all grain brewer. And don't forget about their 10% discount to all BN Army members. Jade and Roberto are waiting for you and all of your brewing questions over at hoptech.com. Hoptech, totally not sucking since 1983. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanishev, and I want to tell you about Heretic Evil Twin. You might be familiar with my homebrew recipe, which uses massive late hopping to create a balance between the malty sweet and the hoppy bitter, along with an outrageous malt and hop character. I wanted a beer with the same bold hop and malt character, so we played around with the homebrew recipe 
until we're able to make a great commercial version, too. We've created a beer rich in malt character, full of caramel, toast, biscuit, and an ever-so-subtle roast note. On top of that, we piled in an insane amount of citra and Columbus hops at the end of the boil, as well as in dry hopping. This damn-the-cost approach to hopping gives Heretic's Evil Twin a great blast of citrus and tropical fruit that can't be matched by any other hop. The result is a bold, malty, hoppy, but easy-drinking beer. This is our top seller, our flagship beer, and I couldn't be prouder of it. Cheers. To find Heretic Beers near you, click on Find Some at hereticbrewing.com. All right. Welcome back to the show. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks to Oregon Specialty Fruit uh, for being on the show. You can go to OregonFruit.com and check it all out. I'm drinking the puree. I mixed you the are. mango I, I see with that. the raspberry, and it's delicious. It looks like a smoothie. It looks good. You should try some. It, it's it, The flavors work really well together. And I don't want to try any. I feel like I'll get pregnant. You're You're very fertile right now. I'm not. It took us like a year, so it's a lot of fucking... Put JP's seed in your mouth. (laughs) All right, everybody. Hey, we got Gary Glass on the program with us. Speaking of dick jokes... You guys' timing is the worst. I feel like it gets worse as the years go on. I'm serious. It used to be bad, and now it's always the... Gary, how you doing, buddy? I... After that interview, I'm not doing quite as well. <laughs> Gary's like, uh, I gotta go. Actually, yeah. how do we get out of this? It's late. Yeah. I'm tired. Uh, <laughs> Gary Glass, of course, from the American Home Brewers Association, on the program with us tonight. How have things been for you, Gary? Uh, great. Yeah. Still, still loving my job. Good. You know, I'm your neighbor now there in Colorado. Did you move? Well, to no, I'm there like some of the time, I guess. And I'm barely even your neighbor. I'm in like the next town over. But, uh, you know, Gary actually came to our grand opening there at the Hot Grenade. Oh, oh nice. And support I did. That's so, cool. Yeah, I'm not quite a Coloradan yet. I, I still complain too much about the weather to be a Coloradan. So, but. You're getting used to it. I guess so. That's what I'm told. Are you I'm, a 14er, Gary? <laughs> oh, yeah, Gary. How many 14ers have you done? Bro. Uh, do, do I have to have climbed them, or can I drive to the top of them? Ah, <laughs> good question. We just learned tonight from a listener that some of them can be driven. So I will allow you to count the driving ones as well. Two. <laughs> Attaboy. It's not even like a double-digit number, but like, well, seven. And, uh, yeah. Including this uh, one? I, one. I think my father-in-law has climbed over half of the ones in Colorado. Wow. That's amazing. See, Gary, to me, comes off as an outdoorsy guy, actually, but he's just, he's a, he's a poser. Really. <laughs> I, I like I like to hike. I like to fish. I just you know mountain climbing. Like up just, for no the reason. altitude sucks. Priority for right. me. That makes sense. There are smaller mountains than fourteeners that you can climb <laughs> or drive. Oh, why bother? <laughs> so I'm gonna many peaks in Colorado. <laughs> okay, there you go. All right. Well, we, I want to talk about a couple things with Gary today, um, and one is the. Uh, homebrew survey that they just did. But real quick, before we get to that, because I have a feeling we might go on a little bit and get in-depth on that. Um, Gary, how is my beloved governing committee doing since I've left? Thriving. Well, it's not quite the same since you left. Thank you. Uh, uh, yeah, and I'm well, sure he means it's it. It's one less person right, procrastinating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, but uh, we do have a governing committee election coming up next year, and we have five of the 15 uh, slots that are up for election. Oh. Uh, and at least three of those, those slots are uncontested. We've got people who are term limited or just uh, unable to run again. So uh, we are definitely looking for qualified candidates for uh, running for the governing committee. Okay. So you, you need at least three more people to run. <laughs> at least, huh. yes. Hopefully we get a, get a few more than that. I agree, because obviously they're just then, like, guaranteed. <laughs> so, JP, if you want to run while there's right. still only, I've, you know. I thought about it, but, uh, you know, I don't want to be too good at it. And then I would do the whole committee's job, like everybody's job. Yeah. And I, I can't have that, so I'm just going to back off. We could be on the board together, it sounds like. Are you running? Well, no, but now I heard that there are three slots. Let's run. I'll, I'll go with you if you do my work. Okay. Right. <laughs> well, actually, here's what we want, Gary. Let me help you out here. I had a wonderful time on the governing committee, um, and I, it was one of the most educational experiences I've had about my industry, too. Uh, so if you're into home brewing, um, even if you're into craft beer, um, mostly home brewing, I... I would recommend going for it. You, you not only get to learn a lot and you're surrounded by a, a board of your peers, um, but you actually get to have some input in what your your membership receives from the Homebrewers Association. Yeah. Yeah. And believe it or not, as, uh, as crass or uh, as much as I can say I don't care, uh, I found it really valuable to be able to do that. Now, your experiences were always super positive. You were actually really juiced about it, and it was yeah, kind of nice to see you pumped about something again. <laughs> and I mean, it sounds like a joke, but but honestly, like it was it was like a fresh injection for you as as like a, a new direction for your passion, and, and uh, I thought it that was, was pretty cool. Especially every time after the annual meeting, I would come out of there, you know, really kind of. I would go in hungover, but I would come out fired up. <laughs> And hung over. Well, because you puked during the middle of it. <laughs> I, I really would come out fired up because, uh, and and Gary, I, I don't think you'll mind me saying this. I even watched the, the well, the AHA itself and the committee really grow over the years that I was there. And I found it to just, I was really surprised at the amount of, of, of things that we were tackling, changes that the Homebrewers Association was making by the end of my uh, term. I I just was more fired fired up than ever uh, every time. So, uh, Gary, how do people how do people try to try to become elected? Uh, so, on our website, homebrewersassociation.org, under the the membership drop down, there's a uh, governing committee page you can select, and then on there, there is a uh, uh, a button for submitting a uh, nomination. So. Can either nominate themselves or they can nominate somebody else. We do ask if you're going to nominate somebody else. Let them know you're nominating them before you do so. <laughs> Surprise! And, Good call. And, and and you do need to be a member of the American Home Brewers Association in order to to uh, run for the governing committee. Sure, which you should but be anyway. Yeah, you can't run wildcat. Yeah. Yeah, there's no independent. <laughs> yeah. you, can't, you can't run independent. At the we can start our own association. Doc. What, <laughs> what, what does being on the board involve in terms of like... <laughs> so I'm not uh, running. What do you do? Too much for you. Uh, well, so governing committee members uh, participate in... Uh, we do a monthly conference call uh, on Tuesday, the second Tuesday of the, the month. Uh, and then also participate in the uh, in-person meeting that takes place uh, the Wednesday before Homebrew Con. Uh, and then 
members serve on various subcommittees that get more focused on specific uh, areas. Um, we have like a competition committee, we've got a content committee that helps us select uh, speakers for HomebrewCon and content for Zymergy Magazine. Uh, we have uh, a, a new, actually just split our diversity and international subcommittees into two different subcommittees. So, oh, nice. Uh, yeah, and, and so they, they, a lot of the work that ha happens on that uh, that subcommittee level, but uh, as, as you said, Justin, I, I think people probably don't quite have an understanding of what goes on with the governing committee, but the, the association really wouldn't be what it is without the contributions of those committee members. So that, that combined knowledge and, and, and geographical references that we get from the, the governing committee, you know, our, our staff is completely uh, uh, dedicated to, to what that, the, the direction that the governing committee points us to go in. Yeah, and that's what I maybe you're really actually putting a fine point on what I was trying to say is that by the end, um, because the AHA itself has grown uh, thanks to all of you wonderful members and, and new members signing up, the AHA has been able to expand and, and create new positions. And so, you know. It really felt like the things that we were saying on the governing committee, not just felt like I saw it happen, went and happened. Uh, I mean, right afterward, they, they were able to take the direction, go to uh, the existing staff and, and even some of the new positions that were created during my tenure. And, man, we'd come back the next year or even uh, not even <laughs> we'd come back in the next couple of phone calls and Gary would be like, well, so we got the newsletter going and we got this new organization and we and it was really Im impressive to see. So, uh, like Gary says, um, your voice matters. It's very helpful to them. And look, why not? It's your organization anyway. It belongs to you. You're the you're the membership. So go to homebrewersassociation.org. dot org, and um, what is it? You can just click under membership, right, Gary? Right under yeah. membership, and then governing committee. Okay, and then a reminder: you can uh, recommend either yourselves uh, or nominate yourselves or somebody else, but do let the somebody else know that you're doing <laughs> that. Because <laughs> what happens? They get a call from me, and I'm like, "Hey, do you want to be on the show? You're now uh, a nominee." Let's nominate Bev. It gets yeah. weird. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. Bev can't. Please don't. Bev can't I think handle that'd be it. Great. Bev can't handle it. Why not? Let's nominate Sam. Then. And by that I mean they can't handle. They can't <laughs> handle Bev. God. Now yeah. Sam. Now okay. he, Sam would First pump all, new life into that. Uh, literally. Rude. Yeah. Okay. Not enough keytars. All right. Now we got more to talk about with Gary. Oh, yeah. uh, right. Also, exactly. and that is the the homebrew survey. Um, so tell us a little bit about what this is, Gary. Yeah. So uh, this this is a follow up to a survey we did. Uh, um, in 2013, so, so four years ago, uh, we did this kind of what we called general homebrew survey, which collected demographic information and information about uh, you know homebrew practices. Uh, and so we we had over 10,000 homebrewers respond to the survey from all over the country and and actually all over the world. Eight percent of the respondents were from outside the United States. Wow! Uh, and and it's the, these surveys that, that really allow the American Home Brewers Association to provide data on what's going on within home brewing. We can we can provide stats to, to home retailers so that they can uh, you know better run their businesses. Uh, we provide those stats to the media so that they can understand what's going on with with home brewing and we can promote the hobby. Um, so that's that's kind of why we we do it. 
uh, and, and then you know, obviously get some, some very interesting uh, content out of it. Sure. Yeah, I remember reading the last one I was talking about at the beginning of the show. Was proud to find the Brewing Network show up in several questions, you know, about where, right. where people are getting content and education and things okay. like that. I, I, I don't want to know, Gary, <laughs> if, we've, if we've fallen down the list, okay? Can you omit that information from this report, please? Yeah, I will, I will bring that up. Thank and you. If, Thank don't you. ever mention Denny and Drew in anything we say tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. You could say, uh, and number one on the list shall not be mentioned. Right. So right. we would know. Because it's a lewd name. But, but, but Drew Beecham is actually one of those okay, so you, people who is, is ineligible to, to run again because he's won uh, three straight. He's oh, turned out. Oh, yeah. Out, huh? well, I'd like to so see. He's, he's got to take a year off. Uh, uh, Denny turned out earlier and then came back. I year. see. Well, Denny's uh, older. Well, you know what bothers me about that? That means I got to hang out and talk to Drew more because he won't be in the meeting. Yes. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Uh, all right. You know what? You're being Portland. <laughs> Uh, I am excited about that. Yeah, yeah. Gary, be too hungover for the meeting. Oh anyway. no, it'd be the strip clubs. Just time. quickly, yeah. Can we get excited about NHC being, yeah. or sorry, HomebrewCon uh, being Homebrew in? Con. Yeah, HomebrewCon being in Portland this year. I'm you were you were in that meeting where we decided that we were going to call it HomebrewCon. <laughs> I know, I was, and <laughs> as you know, as that. you know about me, I keep screwing it up. I do. I'm, it takes me years to break old habit. I, I love the new term. <clears throat> yeah, I like it National too. National Homebrew Competition or National Homebrewers Conference is not exactly roll off the tongue. Yeah, I, I agreed. HomebrewCon's easy. Uh, by the way, the web address is easier now. There's <laughs> all kinds of. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty stoked this is going to be in Portland. Yeah, me too. Me yeah. too. Uh, I got friends there uh, that just embrace this whole thing, and uh, it'll be fun. It'll yeah. be. It'll be a, well, there you go. A mess of fun. So. Give us the overview, you know, the, the finer points of, of what's happening in the homebrew world based on the on the survey, Gary. Okay, so one of the things that we, we can do with this, this survey, and actually a combination of data, because we also survey retailers or homebrew supply shops. Um, so we, we use the survey to come up with a, a figure for the total number of homebrewers. It's a difficult one to come up with. We have to look at we look at various different ways of calculating it. But uh, yeah. through the survey, we came up with a number of 1.1 million homebrewers in the United States. Wow, really? So, yeah, I was. was yeah. I always assumed 1.2. Is it, you think that's down from 1.2 or something like that? Uh, well, you know, we we use a different method for calculating I it see. this, so you could get this a different, time around. Uh-huh. I I think this is actually a more accurate number. Do you think the number's up or down? Do, uh, well, I think the number is is up from it's where up. it was in 2013. Okay, cool. Okay. We came out with the 1.2 million number. Mm-hmm. That was based on calculations with the the best uh, the best statistics we had at the time. Yeah. I think what we've got now is a little bit more solid. It's more accurate. Uh, if we if we use the same method we used this time, it would have had a smaller number, but it would have been based on less reliable statistics. But cool. overall, I think that we we probably had uh, had Fewer homebrewers back in 2013, uh, but that 1.1 million number is probably slightly down from a peak that I would guess probably happened around 2015 or so. Yeah, that's what I was wow. thinking. Okay. Yeah, that's a great number to know because I find myself in conversations all the time where I want to tell so many people how many homebrewers there are. Yeah. Like if, I, if you know two of them. Next, random people who know two homebrewers. Sure. Then it's kind of unique that they say two. It's a lot of people. One point one million. A lot of people, and it's, I mean, it's still like around 
uh, around 200, 250, uh, uh, you know, or one in two, uh, 200 to 250 people. Adults. Okay. Sizable portion. Yeah, adults. Yeah. Yeah. Are we talking uh, so worldwide? Sizable portion of, of the population. And, yeah, is that U.S. homebrewers or worldwide homebrewers, Gary? Oh, that's U.S. U.S., okay. Yeah, because there's other people out there. (laughs) Yeah, but American Homebrewers Association only, so they dialed it in. That's pretty significant. Yeah. Yeah. Good to know. What else you got, Gary? Uh, So those 1.1 million uh, homebrewers are making, on on average, over the course of a year, about 1.4 million barrels of beer. Wow. (laughs) Uh, barrel being uh, thirty-one gallons. That 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 it, that would be a combined total that would put uh, the homers in this country right between uh, Sam Adams and Sierra Nevada. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> nice. I That's like that statistic. That, yeah. yeah. I think I That's think we should get thing. together and buy somebody out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a nice PR statistic oh, right yeah, there, definitely. Gary. Let's be honest. I like yeah. that one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so, and it's it's quite impressive. Like that's a lot I of have a, a list: top brewers in the country. Yeah, one, home two, three. Home, yeah, home yeah. Brewers. Sam right. Adams, yeah. home brewers, Sierra Nevada. <laughs> I like it. Uh, uh, that's very interesting. Great. Forty percent of, of home brewers have, have started home brewing within the last four years. Sure. Oh, so that's really good I, news. Wait, did you lot, say a lot of people getting into it yeah. just very recently? Forty percent. Forty percent. Yeah. Wow. Now, can we can we be frank here? The, the The rumor going around has been that home brewing is on the decline, but that number there kind of refutes that, doesn't it? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I, you know, I do think that I, as I did mention, it probably did peak at a slight, slightly above one point one million. So we've probably seen a, a very slight decline. Okay. Uh, and, and and when we get into geographic stuff, that that becomes pretty interesting too. Yeah. But I do think that there's it's still quite vibrant, and people are still still absolutely getting into the hobby. Uh, we have seen a slight uh, uh, um, drop in the amount of uh, of beer per uh, per batch that people are brewing. So people are brewing in smaller batch sizes. Okay, uh, which is not not terribly surprising. I mean, the the one gallon batch, you know, kits. Of, that have become available uh, are, are a fairly recent phenomenon, uh, and, and it's just a whole lot easier to brew in smaller batches. I think one of the things we're, we're looking at is that uh, time has become more of a constraint for yeah. people yeah. Uh, than, than it has been in, in probably four years ago when we were in the midst sure. of a recession. Sure. Well, a, a decline in 10-gallon breweries would, op- would op- offset that, would drive that number down. That may be more, probably way more happening than... It would just be like a, you know, that's dropping off quite a bit. Sure. You know. Yeah, yeah, we're we're definitely seeing a decline in those those larger volume sizes. Yeah. But even just the the five gallon sizes are are, are dropping, and the, the smaller the, batches are, yeah, are increasing. Geographically, well, oh, go ahead. Geographically, what's the hot spot as far as as home brewing? The the, the largest region by by participation in the hobby is the south. The South. Which is really surprising. Yeah, it was surprising to me. Uh, you know, we had 31% of, of our respondents were, were from the South. The West was the smallest, with uh, 19%. Wow. 
Wow. Hmm. This is re- all of these things are really good news for me right now. I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> if 40% are new brewers, right? That's that's in the last mm-hmm. 4 years. That's that's 400,000 people that the BN has yet to offend. Um, so that's a lot of that's not a, a lot of no, that's a lot of new a listeners. Lot of open now, on top of that, if if the if the south is the hotbed of new brewers, I feel like the south gets us. Like they understand our ridiculousness here. And so That's I think true. I'm mm. feeling like we've got a lot of room to to grow yeah, here. Potential. When was the last time you heard from Sugar Valley, though? Well, he's, he's, he's let's like face it, he, had, he probably had a heart attack. Oh, anyway. is he northern? I think um, so. Okay. I think he's like well, in like, the well, Jackson me, Whites area. To me, well, one of the reasons to homebrew is you can make beer you can't buy. Yeah. So I can see as right. a percentage out here, we can buy a lot of freaking good beer. Right. So we tend to like, sure, we might homebrew a little, but we don't brew, homebrew that much because we could go out and we could get this great beer. In the yeah, South, right. that may not necessarily be the case. And Gary, I wonder what you think. I think you're exactly right there. Mm-hmm. That you know, they, I, I definitely see you know, where the where the largest percentage of homebrewers are. It's the it's where the smallest percentage of, of craft breweries are. And right. I don't know. Tell Asheville, North Carolina. That, there's like, there's, there's islands. tons of them out there's there. There's islands, believe me. But I'm just out here. Out here, there are no islands. But not only is I I think the the evidence or the statistics seem to be pointing toward that. But, uh, Gary, it, is, is it a concern, you know, for the AHA or for homebrew in general that as, and we all love it, as craft beer grows, right, we get more right. breweries, more local fresh beer, that by effect, homebrewing declines? Because that, we can, well, that is you know, a, go ahead. That's a concern, I would say, and I think that it has contributed to the, the slight decline that we've seen. But I think we're kind of... Stabilizing at this point, yeah. Uh, because I, at the same time that they, you know, there's there is all this craft beer available, uh, and and that's potentially a a reason to not brew as as frequently. Um, you have to be into craft beer in order to get into homebrewing. Agreed. So more more oh, yeah. the more people are, are are introduced to to local breweries the more likely that they are to take up the hobby. Yeah. So, and and as, as you said, with the, that 40% starting within the last four years, Do you, obviously there's a huge number of, of, uh, of breweries that have come on board in that those last four years. So it's sure. still... The they, cycle. We're still seeing people getting into the hobby, even though they they don't need to do it to drink, uh, you know, flavorful beer. Right, and I, I'm going to say this at 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 the risk of sounding like an idiot, like normal, but. Um, with all the buyouts happening, the cycle could go the other way, right? Like, so right now, uh, right? So Gary's right. you got to be into craft beer to start homebrewing. So it pushes homebrewing. But then the more lo- great uh, local craft beer, maybe homebrewing declines a little bit. Well, now, as independent, uh, maybe as that starts to disappear, I think you go right back to homebrewing. You brew your own beer again. Uh, so homebrewers association is in this, like, or homebrewing in general is in this odd middle spot between all of the things that are happening. Yeah. Well, and even as the, on the commercial side... They're in the business of selling beer, and so they're going to jump on the bandwagon of styles mm. that are trendy. And so what What if a, a consumer wants to try something else than what they find on 90% of their shelves? Yeah, yeah. They have to make it themselves, which is True. the situation I was in. And, and so that's what I was wondering if the AHA collects information as to uh, what typical styles are being brewed. Yeah, good question. different than what's trending in craft. 
amongst homebrewers? Well, one way we can do that is look at uh, our national homebrew competition entries, and and you're spot on. Like the where where our our number one uh, categories are kind of the specialty categories. Where, oh, nice. And for for beers that don't fit into any of the the usual categories. I mean, obviously IPAs is is a big one, but. Mm. Um, but not as big as the, the specialty categories. Right. Interesting. Uh, uh, Gary, uh, as you might expect, I see a lot of, I get to know a lot of people that start out homebrewing young and I watch them get older and get, you know, probably watch, I've been watching people for 15, 20 years. Uh, it's a lot about how yeah. the, the time and place to make beer. I know people that are really young, trying to do it in an apartment, then they get in a house and then they're brewing like crazy, but then the kids come, then there's sports. So it, to me, it's like age group. I'm not sure this is the data that you have in terms of like, who, who's what age groups are, are most bring most of the homebrew in the country? Uh, well, our our average age is forty two. Yes, yeah, uh, the largest hmm. you know age group would be the the thirty to forty year olds. Uh, the fastest growing segment right uh-huh. now uh-huh. is those sixty and older. Yeah. Really retired? Yeah, really. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, you 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 think about it, like where. We've got this huge baby boomer population that's all retiring, and so uh, they're either you know taking backup humbering or or starting humbering for the first time because all of a sudden they find all this time on their hands. Sure. Right, uh, damn boomers. Yeah, and then what are they like? They, they they've probably been doing it as a hobby for a good, you know a good amount of time, but they're doing more of it. You know, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll start brewing again when I'm sixty. We'll, well see. How would you start like? When you're 42 and you're in that little middle group, <laughs> yeah. you know when I'm, I'm still in the popular yeah. group. Well, home brewing is about having a, 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 the right enough time and the right place to do it. Right. Which mm-hmm. is typically like you're well established and you don't have kids. You got to take the Your little kids aren't four. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah. Okay. Or you don't have kids. Well, and you're 42. Well, I think I think one of, one of the things that's going to be interesting for the future is that we've got all, all these new devices like the grandfathers yeah. and the zymatics that are that are that have come around that. That make it so that you're you're buying one piece of equipment and it kind of does a lot of that work for you. Yeah. Uh, does that open up a whole new demographic of people uh, to, to the hobby? Does it make it more appealing for people who are like, oh, I don't really have the time, but well, hey, with this thing, I push a button and it does it. Right. Yeah. Well, just think about the. I know it does. Just yeah. about the old entry point is a hundred and sixty nine dollar kit or something like that. Now another entry point is a fifteen hundred dollar. Robo thing that'll make beer for you. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, yeah. That wasn't there a long time ago. Sure, I, I don't, and I don't know that you'll see the results of that to your next survey, Gary. Yeah. But I think it's a great point. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, we did ask on you know the questions oh. on what, uh, what what equipment you're using, and mm-hmm. uh, the, the largest number are brewing on on a uh, you know store bought kind of traditional system, and then a, a very large second group is uh, is people who've created their own. Uh, those those new uh, new brewing systems are, are definitely on there, but I would anticipate that that's going to grow as a portion of the, the what what people are using to brew with. Sure. And then the price point of those things are going to come come down as well, they become more popular. There's so many choices too, so that, yeah, yeah, through competition yeah. they might come down. So can is it too early to tell, or can you can is there some indication that the level of automation amongst the average home brewer is going up? Yet or not? Well, we didn't have that in the the, the survey we did four years ago, so we, we just have the, the stats on that from this year. But it's, oh. it's you know it's it's still pretty small, like around seven percent or so that are brewing on these those, those uh, 
mechanical things like the like a grandfather or a zymatic. Got it. All right, Gary. Well, you got to tell me. Did, uh, did <laughs> here it comes? Here's the thing All we right. said not to do. Yeah, here did, it comes. Begging for it. Did Drew and Denny show up above us anywhere on the survey? Oh, oh silence! Oh, oh this, man! This hurt. No, he's checking. He's checking with his lawyer. He's fact checking. <laughs> hey, fact checking. We don't. Well, well actually, I I can't really give you an accurate answer to that because uh, they. Their podcast didn't exist four years ago, so they can't give you a before and after. Right. Oh, so we're safe. That's well, true. You, 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 you can't give me, but you can give me an after. I mean, you know. Is Are you sitting with Denny right now? Is that the problem? <laughs> yeah. Because I love right. I, I can tell you that the, uh, the, the Brewing Network actually did outperform uh, experimental brewing. Okay. All right. There we go. Uh, by the way, this just in, uh, Denny, uh, elderly Denny, has moved in with Gary. Gary's taking care of him. Um, so. The being outperformed uh, that other podcast Wait. in unsubscribes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what we're trending in right now is unsubscribes. <laughs> I love you, Denny and Drew. I really do. Yeah, uh, I hate your guts. Gary Glass, thanks for being on the show. Unless there's anything else, you just got to let us know about the industry. I, uh, yeah. Well, well, I got I to gotta put in a plug for the AHA, right? Of course. Uh, sure. and, I'll, I'll, I, and, and, and in doing so, I'll do it for the Brewing Network and make you some money. Thank you. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, on, on the Brewing Network homepage, there's a list of supporters. We're one of those, the American Home Brewers Association. If you click that link... Uh, it will take you to homebrewersassociation.org. If you then join, uh, you will be supporting the Brewing Network. If you do that before November 19th, that's this Sunday, and you use an offer code that goes along with our Thanks Giveaway Spectacular, where you could possibly win a Pico Brew Dimatic, or one of two uh, uh, awesome. brew jackets, or one of ten Betty Coasters, which is probably the coolest thing of these things. I don't know if you've ever seen what is that? No. A Betty Coaster? You put a can... Tanner, it's like a koozie, but it's a it's a vacuum sealed stainless steel thing. Uh, oh, sweet! Oh. Huh. Yeah, oh, that's cool. Uh, okay, so so the opera code is TGS seventeen, as in thanks giveaway spectacular two thousand seventeen. TGS twenty seventeen. Got you it. Use that opera code. You get entered into a chance to win those fabulous prizes, and you're supporting the Brewing Network, and you're supporting uh, our our nonprofit uh, not-for-profit organization, the American Homebrew Association. Nice. That's right. Then you get to go see us all at HomebrewCon in Portland this year, and a million other benefits. Are we eligible for that? Uh, for, uh, <laughs> are, you're already a member. For, you? Uh, well, no, but you can renew. You can. You can. Yeah. Be, you can I, renew. I, I, you, you can renew. Yeah, you can no. renew your membership and support the Brewing Network and get a chance to win those. Things. Nice. You can add on. You don't have to be expired. Well, none have, of you are on the governing committee at the moment. And correct. Where's that coming from? I'm a member, yeah. though. As far as you know, Beardy's yeah. not just a member. Oh uh, yeah, need to be a governing. All right, Gary. Thank you so much for being on the program yeah, and thanks, for Gary. all that you do over there. I, I hope to see you in Colorado soon. Yeah, um, yeah. Let me know when you're coming back out. I love getting up to Fort Portland. I'll be there Friday. We're doing a show with uh, Peter Bucart this Friday. Um, you're doing a live show right from the Grenade there in Fort Collins. Yeah. 
So my, well, my daughter's birthday party is on Sunday, and my parents are coming to town on Saturday. So oh, I, you got a busy, I'm you got a busy weekend. Well, Sorry, dude. Sounds I'll be like back. Friday was but available. Friday's, no, Friday's available, man. <laughs> I think on party Friday. Hopefully, yeah. have a lot of home free. He knows I'll hurt him. Uh, I'll be back, Gary. I do. (laughs) need a hotel room. (laughs) That's right. Oh, yeah. Well, I look forward to seeing you, and I'm I'm starting the plans for our BNA party at at the Homebrew Con. it's coming back. Yeah, it's coming back. How can we not? It's Portland, guys. We're going to rock it. Lucky 13. um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's going to find a nice strip club. Portland's going to be amazing. It will. All right, Gary. Thanks, buddy. All right. Thank you. Take care. Bye, Gary. Good night. Our friend Gary Glass, Homebrewers Association. Of course, you can go to homebrewersassociation.org, dot uh, org. Check out check out all the info, and like Gary said, just uh, sign up through our website. Um, you can get entered to win that Pico Brew. That's pretty cool. It's a good website. Yeah. It's got a lot of that. A lot of what's going on. Yeah. All right, um, man, we're almost done here. Hey. Uh, don't forget that you can go to Brewers Publications and get the new Session Beers book. Low alcohol Session Beers are taking the craft beer movement by storm. Um, and uh, if you're interested in honing in your Session Beer brewing skills, there's a brand new book from Brewers Publications that'll be a great addition to your brewing library. Uh, session Beers, Brewing for Flavor and balance. It's written by World Beer Cup and Great American Beer Festival award-winning brewer Jennifer Talley, who, by the way, you can listen to on an interview over on Brew Strong. Uh, yeah, the guys uh, interviewed Jennifer there about go. that. Um, so go check it out. Uh, you could do that. And also, you know, Thanksgiving is on its way, and there's no time like this very moment to craft your very own custom labels for those bottles of home-brewed beer, wine, cider, mead, or whatever it is that you do. Uh, there in the garage. Grog tag. Grog tags are reusable, customizable, and printed on high-quality vinyl so they won't come off in the ice chest. Which, by the way, when I met these guys, I didn't believe that. I right. thought it was such a crock of shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I really was like, there's no way right. that these things... You know, you, you get advertised like this all the time. Sure, yeah. where it's like, well, well, what do you mean by ice chest, right? And and right. so that's how you can get lost in the fine print. Well, that's yeah. not an ice chest, but it's ice water. They right. Also, they also yeah. fixed all the... Crap! I hated about labeling your your homebrew. It's like you label it. Yeah. No, because of this, this, and this, and there's a pain in the ass. And they, and I'm, they claim to fix it all. And I'm being honest here. I genuinely thought they were full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't until I went. I, I don't know where I went, or they sent them, or something, and we had them all in the ice chest. Mm-hmm. And the the grog tags actually work. They do not come off the bottle. They don't in the ice chest. So they don't. Um, they're yeah. printed on high quality vinyl, uh, so they won't come off the bottle. Uh, but the best part right now is that you can save ten percent on your order by using the code B N Army B N A R M Y. Use it at checkout over at grogtag.com. Uh, that's B N Army at grog com and support them you know a small business yes. like us uh, who have been uh, supporting us for quite a long time and their product is killer so i hope they hope they get it out to 1.1 million home brewers that'd be ideal for sure homebrew competitions <laughs> yeah. would be better picnics and barbecues would be better without all the paper in the yeah that's the whole thing <laughs> yeah Christmas. Yeah, that's right. Ah, good. Day. Or Thanksgiving. It's Christmas and all oh, of the holidays. It's the holiday. Black Friday. Uh, oh, right. yeah. They're already getting the Christmas holidays. orders for labels. I mean, you know, a lot yeah. of people are buying their labels first and then homebrewing their beer, which is kind of cool. I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, better than the other. 
All right, what's our Twitter game and Twitter game results, Mr. JP? Well, our Twitter game was uh, we are essentially we're going to launch a streaming vo- uh, video movie site, and what kind of videos would we show? Ah, oh, that's right. All of them. <laughs> crack that beer. <laughs> and, and he, yeah. yeah, I'm thirsty. Right. I'm gonna pee he, really he, bad. I have to pee so bad. First thing he, he grabbed it to see if it was cold. Well, pee in the glass and drink out of the can. He grabbed it to see if it was cold enough. Sometimes I love tasty style, you, man. Yeah. <laughs> pee in the glass, drink out of the can. All right, so what did we get? Well, we got uh, three very funny responses. Uh, my internet died <laughs> and in the middle, so I think nuts. it, uh, <laughs> okay. think it uh, eliminated everything. But uh, I got it down to three. Uh, Jacob uh, wrote in and said, In Chechnya, there is no streaming, only stream. <laughs> okay. And that actually made me laugh out loud during Chris's interview. All right. Um, Oh, oh shit, I didn't get this guy's full name. Anyway, some dude yeah. <laughs> said a live Truman Show-like experience recording Beardy's life, except instead of orchestrating real life with actors, they just keep the cameras five-plus feet away so he can't see them. <laughs> okay. That and could then, be happening right now. Know. <laughs> right. Well, it is. Oh. Yeah. Um, and then Jesse says uh, a yearly Burning Man documentary where Justin gets closer and closer to just ending it all and winning the death pool by running into the fire. I like it. So those are the three. Them's the choices, Bray. I vote for the last one. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, that, let's think. That's how you're going to go out? You're going to run into the fucking fire? No, I just think that's the mo- that would be the most entertaining television that we could put out. I oh, think so, too. All. That was the Twitter uh, game. The Twitter uh, game was not how is Justin going to die, which, by the way, would be a great Twitter game. Uh, this is about like what, what sort of content uh, we're going to put out. Um, that's true. Yeah. I, have, I have friends that will tackle you before you hit the fire. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. La- I get layers of friends all the way to the fire. I'm a wily little They're fuck not- when I want to be. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a stringy. That's right. Uh, I don't. That's my vote. Anybody else have a vote? I'm with you. All right. Sure. Let's do it. Let's watch me die in a fire. There we go. That's baby. our. Uh, that's our win. Bebo's not. She's yawning over there. She's not even. She's thoroughly bored. She's with not everything. even excited about me yeah. dying in a fire. That's no. exciting I'm, stuff. I used. I used her all up this weekend. Come on, it's Monday night. Things just to be. Exciting. She's, uh, they would just make no. more work for me. I mean, I, I, <laughs> that's true. Maybe if if I saw my life on camera, I would actually be able to see it. So I was kind of hoping that one. Right, would you're you're Good excited point. about. Vir- well, you need to just walk around with virtual reality well, no. goggles on, <laughs> with cameras of, of the world in front of you. They're actually reality goggles. Yeah, exactly right. For this you. is reality, guys. Yeah, you're like, holy shit, it sucks here. <laughs> yeah. Well, but your show is going to be shot in like super low def. <laughs> What's it? Super uh, eight. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I'm right. touching you, and I can see it. <laughs> so it's not going to help me then. No. It's mm. actually being shot in braille. Oh. That's ouchy. Hey, Adam and Eve is going to help you spice things up in the bedroom. Uh, backing up that promise with a deal. Go to adamandeve.com and you'll get 50% off just about any item. Use coupon code BNARMY at checkout. Uh, you're going to get the free Big O kit. Uh, Adam and Eve's uh, Big O kit has exclusive Climax gel and a mini vibrator. Um, and also you get, uh, what else, 50% off something, one item, free shipping, the Big O kit, all kinds of stuff. Use coupon code BNARMY over at adamneve.com. And uh, they have cool stuff over there. I was looking at it the other day. I get a lot of emails oh. from them now. You get Because you ordered something? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Shut up, yeah, Justin. You <laughs> uh, hey, it's worth it. They got cool stuff. Go to adamneve.com. Use coupon code BNARMY. I think he's monitoring their Q&A. 
It could be. Yeah. You know, hey, I smile every time tips, I get an email you? from them. <laughs> All right, I think we're done here, yeah? Yeah. All right, thanks to yeah. uh, Oregon Specialty Fruit and Chris for coming on uh, yeah. the program. I appreciate that. Next week, we got Streetside Brewing Company on the show. I won't be here. Okay, I'll Sorry. be here. I get a full November with you guys. I know you're excited. Nice. Wow. Yeah. How about I'll call in. I'll be back. You can call in. We might answer. <laughs> I'll be far away. Maybe. <laughs> uh, all right, Jip, are we done? Yeah, we're done. You sure? Yeah, I'm sure. How sure? Yeah, make sure long enough because i got to find your song. Full bladder, sure. Can I leave? Uh, oh, exactly. And pee while you do it? You know, it must no, have you have room. to fucking stay. At Disneyland, a mariachi band sang JP's song, but like the real song, and I was like, wow, I know this. <laughs> oh, I was like, what? That's amazing. No, 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 no. The, no, no, the, no. the like real the one. Real yeah. uh, the raw listeners. Okay, this is a mariachi band did not asshole. sing JP's an asshole. That would have been amazing. That would have been even better. That you know what we're now okay now we're gonna have to hire a mariachi band <laughs> for one of our anniversary parties oh, just for that please my God, do that'd be great. <laughs> if only we had an anniversary party coming up we do it's perfect <laughs> okay how, how about we do it during our uh, spring brews fest. No, no, no. Because right those aren't all BN yeah, people. Yeah, it needs to be, yeah. more it needs to be BN people. Yeah. I think Doc would even pay for it, too. <laughs> yeah, Doc's like, ready. <laughs> I'll pay for it multiple times. <laughs> right, yeah. All parties. He's going to go home and learn to play it tonight. <laughs> no, he's oh, yeah. he says, I just bought this classical guitar for this. <laughs> I want to play that big, uh, like, bass, big bass guitar. That the giant play. one? <laughs> yeah, that giant guitar. <laughs> so a normal guitar for Doc. <laughs> <laughs> a ukulele. Yeah. He's going to learn. Uh, Let's go. Take us out, JP. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Chris Hodge from uh, Oregon Specialty Fruit drove, flew, and walked us, walked to us all the way from Oregon to get us learned on fruit in its various forms. Hit them up at OregonFruit.com. But first, thank you to our show sponsor, More Beer. You can get absolutely everything you need to make great beer at home by going to MoreBeer.com. Did you know that? Good. Merge your love of Disneyland with your lack of engaging podcasts and go to EarsUpPodcast.com as JP, Terrence, Bevo, and Taryn talk about all things Disney. Get on Twitter for some good Beer Inside and Homebrew Info, and follow Nate Smith at Nathan Homebrew if he's still alive, Mike McDowell at Tasty McDee, Warren being stuck over at Another Beardy, and the great Beverly crushing cyberspace at Bevo One. JP thinks Twitter's dead, and you should follow him on Instagram and Major Jip. Today's show was produced by our very own Bevo, and your host has been Justin Crossley. Be sure to find the Brewing Network on Facebook, Twitter, and the aforementioned Instagram. Justin's in my sky and winning the race, JP. Cherry.